Welcome to the Regular People Podcast. This is Wade Allen, and joining me today is Emma. Hello. So I think we'll be talking about a variety of topics today, including abortion, fast fashion, maybe a little bit of uh, atheism, maybe some veganism as well. But first, tell me some stuff about you. Oh, geez. Maybe past five years or something along those lines. Well, um, I just started college, so not a lot in the professional world that I can say for the last five years. But as far as um, my personal life goes, I've developed from being extremely, extremely Christian and conservative to becoming um, quite the opposite. And it has greatly influenced what I'm doing in college now. So I'm majoring in environmental science and political science. And I'm hoping to maybe go into some sort of conservation field or maybe even continue on to law school to do environmental law because, be cool. yeah, I think it's a good pairing with the poli-sci minor. Yeah. But yeah, not very much yet. I'm just starting college, but I'm working at a vegan restaurant right now trying to save up and pay off college out of pocket. So that's kind of nice. Out of pocket? Yeah, really? I'm paying it monthly and I pay about 1200 a month. And I just work at Target during the summer, and I'm managing it so far. So we'll see how. Did you apply for any grants or anything like that? Um, I got a scholarship to go to Carroll, so I got oh, I can't remember how much it is, but I pay seven thousand a semester. So wow. Yeah. So I don't know. I applied for a couple like out of you know not affiliated with my school scholarships. And I didn't get them. So <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe it changes depending on what kind of college you're going to, but. Because right now I haven't had to pay for my, my college yet. Mm-hmm. Definitely cheaper college. Yeah, um, yeah. Than seven thousand a semester. But what what is it called? I always forget. It's the FAFSA. Oh yeah. yeah did got, you fill that out? Yeah, I got some FAFSA, so that also contributes to it too. But I still you, you, you have got some, that. And yeah, it's and still I'm still 7, paying seven thousand dollars. Yeah, but my parents oh, don't. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So you know, I'm actually like, I'm think I'm gonna have two thousand left over from this semester, so I'm saving up pretty good. Wow. Okay, so I don't know if this question is is too personal or anything like that, but um, is it that your parents like refuse to pay for you, or is um, it just that they, they can't? Because I mean, I would understand that a like, little bit of both. I don't think that they would if they could afford it, but oh, they okay. can't anyways. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, college is freaking expensive these yeah. days. So. Well, my sister went to medicine, so she's in has a lot of loans. I wanted to go to medicine, but that's uh, significantly more expensive than what I'm paying now. So. Yeah. Is but she I'm, paying that for like by on her own? She took out loans, I think, but she's yeah. paying those on her own. Yeah. And wow. I'm trying to graduate in three years, so it'll be a little bit less expensive. So you haven't taken out any loans? Besides the FAFSA one that the, gov- yeah, right. the, the government one. But. Yeah, because it's a FAFSA grant and a FAFSA loan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But other than the FAFSA, no, not yet. Okay. Not yet. We'll see. <laughs> and you said you just started college, so this is your second semester? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what classes did you take last semester? Well, I took um, an English class, which sounds boring, but it was actually really interesting. We wrote five different essays, and we could write about anything we wanted as long as they were fitting the topic. So we did a wealth essay, um, an ethics essay, or gender or sociology essay, and then I can't remember the other ones. But it was basically just um, sociology, but focused on writing skills. So okay. that was really interesting. And then I took another sociology class about politics. So Carol makes every freshman take a sociology class and you get to pick the topic. And I picked, it's this politics one. And it's basically examining the divide between the left and the right in mm. the United States and why it's so hostile. So that was yeah. an interesting politics class. And then just an earth science for my major and 
bio. And then I'm currently taking philosophy, which I enjoy. And then another climate science class, a stats class, and an art class, which is the one fun class I get to take. Wait, all those classes were last semester? I mean, no, this that's, uh, that's, that's this class forward this semester. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I took a sociology class last semester, but I only had to write one essay for it. So I don't know if I'd, I'd want one where you have to write five essays. I, I like I like writing papers. You, is, you do? Yeah, okay. I quite enjoy it, which is, I don't know why I'm a science major, but yeah, I don't like math or doing labs at all, but I would much prefer to be a humanities major, but I don't think. There's an environmental science for humanities. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like environmental science is probably one of the easier stem majors oh okay yeah so it's not as bad but i definitely don't enjoy it as much yeah. as i would a humanities major i was um contemplating like a women's and gender studies major but there's not a lot of jobs in that so i've heard and i don't think my parents would have approved but i did get a little bit get to like do a little bit with that interest because I wrote my term paper for english on motherhood and how um it is an unwritten requirement of womanhood and how it's uh, destructive to women kind of how motherhood is pushed on women and it's like significantly more detrimental to to be a parent on women's physical and mental and social health than it is for men to be fathers it was pretty interesting paper i got to do a lot of different like research on it i don't know it's something i'm super passionate about is um motherhood being a choice rather than a requirement right and a lot of women don't realize that it's more of a choice than a requirement yeah yeah what were your sources that you used there was a study done a lot of them were on um happiness of women in different countries and how they reported oh, okay. different areas of their life happiness in their career happiness in their marriage happiness in their sex life happiness in their view of self and how it decreased significantly after having children and after each child it decreases had. after each child. A- after <laughs> every child, yeah. That's great. And um, are there any um, books on the subject that you've read or that not you know that about? I've read, but I've been wanting to. I've just actually bought *The Feminist Mystique* by Betty Friedman, and I want to read that. But for the research paper, I didn't read do any books for my source because I figured reading articles was a lot easier to get yeah. done in a short time. Yes, that's true. Than books, but. Yeah, I don't do a lot of free reading because of school, but I've been wanting to this summer. I actually just bought that book, and then my boyfriend's dad lent me a preface to Morals, which doesn't have an author, I don't believe. What? But it's really... I think, like anonymous? Yeah, yeah, but it's okay. really old. It doesn't have a cover either, so I'm excited to read it. It sounds like... It, it doesn't have a cover? It's just a pamphlet? It's just, well, it's a coverless book. I think he read it so many times that it, okay. it broke, but... Gotcha. Yeah. I've been wanting to get more into philosophy and just reading about it on my free time, not doing anything with it for school. But yeah. after reading A Preface to Morals and then taking just a elective philosophy class, it's actually like super interesting. Yeah, I'm a big fan of philosophy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've heard. Yeah. You were talking about college and I was asking about if your parents would pay for it, but why wouldn't they? They are very pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So... Oh, okay. So yeah, it's not so like they disagree like they, with what you're going yeah, for. Yeah, no, just... my parents, my dad knows that there are jobs in environmental science, so he's not worried about the major. It's just that he thinks that college is something that I would appreciate paying for by myself. Because appreciate. Because it, it, <laughs> it would teach me. I mean, I don't. If, it's kind of taught me a little bit of responsibility. I definitely i am like proud of myself for being able to pay for it on my own, but... I don't know, it would be nice to have a little bit of parental help, but... Yeah. I mean, yeah, my parents um, aren't paying for my college either, but 
I haven't asked them to, and I don't, I don't, I wouldn't expect them to. Yeah, yeah. Either. It's a, it's my choice to go and get a higher education. So. Yeah. So you said you used to be Christian and conservative. Yes, I used to be extremely Christian and conservative. I would actually get into fights with atheists on the internet. <laughs> um, How so, long ago was that? Um, I think in like fifth and sixth grade. Well, I also was going through quite the denial stage. So once I started having, you know, doubts about Christianity, I started being even more aggressive with yeah, it. Like, yeah. oh, I'm like super passionate about this. But like, so I used to go to religion class twice a week. And I remember I used to ask a lot of questions like about things not adding up in the Bible and things not like, Oh, okay. yeah, I was kind of asking those kinds like of questions. You were like the inquisitive kid. Yeah. And I was sent to, to a, um, counseling session with one of the pastors and he was very understanding. He was like, Oh, it's so normal to have doubts about yeah. Christianity and all that stuff. But he made me read a lot of passages from revelations and about the end of the, you know, coming of Christ and yeah. how very shame it was very like oh it's normal to doubt but at the same time you're still going to go to hell if yeah. you don't and it was very it's like trying to yeah, make you afraid yeah. make me guilty for doubting and that sort of thing so i went through a period of time where i was very aggressive with christianity because i was scared that god would know that i would like was doubting and so yeah yeah i, would. I mean he would know if he exists and it was to the point i remember like praying every night like please don't sell me to hell. Like, I still believe in you. Like, yeah, no, there was a wow. period in my life where I was very conflicted and, like, obsessed with Christianity to the point where I would, like, seek out arguments with atheists to, like, defend yeah. it. And, yeah, I would just kind of, like, preoccupy myself with reading the Bible and all that. Wow. How did, so how did that transition into um, not believing? Well, well, my happened. sister, my older sister and I actually both were kind of talking about it. And I think as I met or started talking to my peers more about it, and I had a lot of friends who weren't Christian, and I started doing watching a lot of YouTube videos on atheism, started doing a lot of like outside research. And then I also got confirmed in seventh grade. So I didn't have to go to religion class anymore. So I wasn't really subjected to the constant, oh, okay. constant religion class, like reading the Bible and that sort of thing. So you're only going to the classes until you got confirmed? Yeah, which um, they discourage. They like tell us like, oh, you should keep coming to like, they had like youth classes and stuff, but everybody just like stops going after they got confirmed. And your parents didn't care? They Did didn't, they want you to be They didn't Christian? for a while, but I think it was around my freshman year of high school when my dad had overheard me talking with one of my friends about, I don't know what we were talking about. I think we were talking about Hinduism and how like we could see, okay. you know, that sort of thing. And he overheard that. And then he started forcing me to go to church twice a week or else I would get, I would walk to school. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. yeah. So then I went to church like a few times a month until I could drive myself. And then I would say I was going on Wednesday nights and then I would just go do homework. Oh, yeah. Okay. So. Your parents should still be proud, probably pretty proud of that. Like, they want you to go to church group, but instead you're doing homework. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you're out smoking weed in the, behind the dumpsters. Not in high school. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, different story. So, <laughs> you're like a sixth grader online picking fights with atheists. Was the watching atheist YouTube videos, was that initially, like, because you wanted to, like, defend the, like, theistic views? or A little bit, but I also just was really, I was really curious about it. Yeah, after, especially after different viewpoints. Especially after arguing with atheists and, like, 
I remember my friend and I would like tag team it and like yeah. we would we were in sixth grade, so we would obviously not be making very good arguments. And like after a while I was like, wait a minute, this kind of makes sense and then that coupled with doing more research online yeah. and like joining some atheist subreddits and like YouTube oh, okay. video channels and subscribing. Yeah, I think it was about like high school when I stopped like being super Christian and conservative, oh. like kind Do those of, like, go hand in hand? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I remember I used to be extremely pro-life, too. I would, like, get into arguments with pro- pro-choice people on the internet, and that sort of thing kind of did a 180. I get partially through just, like, taking more classes in high school, too, like, sociology classes. And, like, yeah. I took a U.S. history class and learned a little bit more about viewpoints that weren't my parents as far right. as politics goes. Yeah. It was pretty much I was just in that conservative Christian bubble, and I... Parents always say, oh, school makes you liberal, college makes you liberal, but it was really, I was just learning anything else that wasn't yeah. that conservative Christian opinion. It's right. just, it's not, they're not indoctrinating you to become liberal, they're just exposing you to other viewpoints and yeah. views. Right. It's not that, like, college is brainwashing you, it's that you've been brainwashed in your life up to that point. Mm-hmm. And now you're just exposed to different ideas, and you realize that ideas your parents wanted you to believe aren't good ones. Yeah. And then you happen to find better ones. Mm-hmm. Sure. Did you go yeah. through something similar? Or? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was like as <laughs> drastic or anything. I don't, I don't know if I ever really believed in God. I definitely went to church a lot. Yeah, and went to like the youth groups at night and stuff, and would go to like these summer camps that were all about praying and stuff. And I, I never like had any sort of experience of what other people claimed to have mm-hmm. of like yeah. talking to God or like having an actual like. I don't know, spiritual experience during prayer yeah, or anything. Yeah. I would be just like sitting there during the summer camp. We'd be like praying for an hour or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I'd just be like, is something supposed to be happening <laughs> right now? Like, yeah. I don't What am I doing? It seems like a waste of time. But I think I maybe like kind of believed a little bit enough to feel guilty about things. Yeah. Yeah. Enough to have that like fear of hell or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a transition, especially definitely by late high school i was like did not believe anymore but growing up i would think that evolution was not true yeah i remember arguing with my science teacher in fifth grade about <laughs> when they was teaching me evolution i was like this is fake <laughs> yeah yeah because it was always like um microevolution you know that's yeah. a thing but macroevolution yeah. no that's that's a lie that they're, they're trying to tell you and then for some reason that w- that sounded good because I was a stupid kid who didn't know anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely around maybe junior, senior year of high school, like a lot of my ideas were changing about that kind of thing. Going back to those summer camps, though, because I went to those every single summer too, Christian yeah. summer camp. And like, it was fun, the part where you got to be outside. Right. But Half of it was really fun. Yeah, yeah. But um, they would like, when everyone's like crying and praying, and it's <laughs> like, they're, they like kind of emotionally like break down these kids, like yeah. talking about like, oh, like, what is something you've done wrong? Like, we would go around in circles oh, yeah. and be like, why do you think God wouldn't love you? And we'd have to share something about ourselves that, like, God wouldn't love. And then they'd tell you that he forgives you and stuff. But it's like they're emotionally making you feel guilty for all right. these things. And then it's like at the end of the week, it's like everyone is, like, told, oh, you know, we're all singing and praying and God loves all of us. But you just feel so horrible yeah. about everything that you've done. And they're like, when everyone's... When all these kids like feel so guilty, they're just like, oh, you're just feeling the Holy Spirit. You're just feeling God. And it was like, it started to feel really icky because I stopped yeah. going in ninth grade and I just felt really icky the whole, yeah. whole week. There, Maybe the tactic week. is is like, 
to make kids go through trauma or like imagine trauma even if the, the things that they've done in their life because you're like a nine-year-old like yeah what have you really done yeah. wrong like to make you feel like you've done yeah. awful stuff mm-hmm. and with this group big group of other kids who are doing the same thing because whenever you experience like trauma with people who have also gone through that same exact experience kind of like makes you have a bond i guess mm-hmm. if you and a different person both witness a murder like you yeah. and that person are yeah. probably pretty close now or something like that mm-hmm. um so maybe it's trying to like really force that bond between this large group of kids who are all being manipulated into thinking that god exists so that they like depend upon each other and they all think that god exists so they're going to continue thinking that because they're that's like your mm-hmm. bubble that's your that's like group of friends group. Yeah, yeah yeah i always hated the singing going to church that i, I didn't ever want to go to church yeah so uh, that was probably one of the reasons too because i don't understand those kids who would wholeheartedly believe in God and be excited about going to church, or it was like a it was like a high point in their week. Yeah, it was always yeah. like I was dreading it. I would like to go to church for the donuts. Yeah, and free <laughs> that donuts was about and coffee it. after. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm gonna get some pretty pretty bomb ass donuts, and then whenever you have to sing, and then I'm gonna get some grape juice, and then I'm gonna sing some more, and like I'm gonna hear some really fucked up sermons about how gay sex is immoral. Talk about that in your <laughs> sermons. Yeah. Dang. Um, there was like two different sections where we would go in my church as a kid. There was like the the kids area, and that was more fun. Like it was like me and a couple of people my age or like grade, I guess. And there's like one or two instructors, and we would have like child oriented stories, mm-hmm. and we would yeah, it'd be more like I don't know, playful and more like a school experience where you're actually mm-hmm. working on things and projects and whatnot. Or there's like you know the mass, yeah, with all the adults yeah. in the big room, and half the time I'd I'd go there. I don't know. There's some that was like. They're not really holding back there. They're telling some crazy, crazy stories in that one. So whenever I went to the the giant group of all the adults, that was worse for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would go to 8 a.m. We didn't call it mass because... Yeah, we didn't call it mass either. But I mean, I don't know what it's called. The church service. Yeah, Yeah. church service. I go that 8 to 9 and then I go to Sunday school 9 to 10. So it was like a two-hour ordeal every Sunday. And then I would go to religion class every Wednesday night as well. Mm. Yeah, there was this thing I would go to uh, called, I think it was called Boys Club, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like every Wednesday night and it was a group of uh, boys and they split you up into rough age brackets. And yeah, we just, it was kind of fun because you would start off first 30 minutes, you'd be there for like two hours on a Wednesday night or whatever. Mm-hmm. First 30 minutes, you're like playing sports or something. Yeah. Like basketball or some weird dodgeball variants or some game they make up. And then we like, I don't know, buy some sodas, eat some candy. And then we go like talk about the Bible for a little while. Yeah. And then there was always this period where we're like, there was this huge church because I would go to a different church for this uh, like nighttime youth group. It was some gigantic church in my area. And it was like a maze. That's the right word where you could go explore like all these attics and like underneath the oh, stage fun. in the amphitheater. And we'd like find these hidden places. So I, I don't know. It's like, with every church experience, there's always, like, yeah. some part that it was, like, in my mind, I was, like, you know, it's worth going for this reason. And then all the other bad stuff was, like, I had to deal with. Yeah. yeah. That's what they wanted me to go for. They wanted me to believe in, like, the story of Job. They wanted me to think that was a, a good example that I should live my life by, just suffer for God. Yeah. Yeah. It was stories like that. I think what you were saying with, like, asking a lot of questions to the to mm. people, I would do that, too, especially more in high school and middle school go to like the youth group and we'd be talking about some concept and we'd be like writing in our little journals and a lot of the time i would just be writing short stories unrelated and then 
I would be like asking these questions that they probably didn't want me to be asking. Yeah. Like if you get married, your wife dies, you get remarried, you go to heaven, which wife are you with in heaven? And then mm-hmm. they've got to say something like, well, uh, technically neither because it's not about your family. It's about God. Yeah. Yeah. And then be like, what? So like. Why do I even want to go there? If I, I know. can't even see my family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. No, I remember but, it was really terrible. Um, actually, this one kid, his older sister had committed suicide, and he had asked if he would ever see her again, and they told him no. She because, definitely went to hell. Because people who commit suicide go to hell, and I think we were in fourth grade when that happened, and yeah. I just remember her saying that to everyone in front of this kid whose sister had just died, and I was like, why would you say that in front of him? And it was just like, they really... Yeah, I don't know. It just like really bothered me. I, I really like, hope that kid is yeah, an atheist because yeah. how how do you hear something like that and want to be part of that group? I mean, about like all the making you feel guilty for things you've done as a kid. I remember my parents have made me watch Passion of the Christ every single year on Good Friday since I was eight, and I remember the first time watching it that scene where Jesus is getting like you know beat up prior to his crucifixion. And I was crying. I was like, why are they doing that to him? And my dad said it's because of you, because of all your sins. And yeah. this is what he died for. So you should feel guilty. You should be crying right now. And I was so young when I started like watching those movies and like being told that like I was the reason Jesus died. And like then it's all Easter two days later and it's like all happy. And like yeah. the whole point is like you're yeah. forgiven, but it's still like that incessant guilt yeah. that you're forced to feel yeah the whole original sin thing and just making you feel guilty for existing mm-hmm. is, you're born with sin right yeah like despite your own actions you're, you're just you're a sinner like mm-hmm. no matter what it seems like i don't know almost inherently ridiculous like yeah it doesn't make any sense that a fresh baby born into the universe should be blamed of any of any sin because of something that supposedly the first guy ever did yeah. and now it's tainted down in his his seed throughout all of time yeah and there's also this whole thing with how jesus you know they didn't want him to be uh they wanted him to be born of a virgin uh woman so that he didn't have adam's tainted like semen in his yeah, body yeah, yeah. so that he wouldn't be born a sinner like he's the only like the immaculate conception he's the only guy who's person in the world who's capable of not sinning yeah um and <laughs> just how i don't like if that sounds like a reasonable thing to you i I don't know what else to say yeah. because it should speak for itself of how far-fetched and nonsensical that is. Mm-hmm. I was saying in my philosophy because we did a unit on whether or not God exists. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And we were talking about the good and evil premise about yeah. how, um, you know, evil, the existence of evil is disproof for God. Like, yeah, the problem. Yeah, like, yeah. Because The Odyssey. Yeah. Because, like, God, if he was benevolent and omnipotent, he wouldn't yeah. allow evil, etc. I'm sure you know. But I was like, it's kind of like some kind of sick game where it's like you're born like in this world where you're like bound to sin and you have to try to like be good enough to like yeah. get to heaven. It's like kind of you're doomed from the start. And it's like if God existed, why would he even create that in the first place? Right. The whole thing with yeah the original sin and like the guilt and the fear mongering, it's like a business practice where the church has invented the disease and they're selling the cure. Mm -hmm. yeah and it's the perfect solution it's just enough where all you have to do is go to church and repent right and then you're saved all you have to do is give us 10 percent of your money for the rest of your life mm -hmm. and show up a lot and you know be part of our club 
and make sure the world operates the way we want it to operate. And, you know, you're good. Not to do much else, yeah. I mean, people say that they think they're a good person just because they go to church every Sunday, but yeah, I mean, not a lot of people live that out. And I've seen that with my parents and you know my family. It's like some of the things that they do and say. I'm like, you're not a good person, right? But you think that you are just because you're a Christian. Yeah. But I've met tens of hundreds of people who are better people than you who are not Christian. <laughs> right. That thing. Oh my goodness. Always just makes me so irritated when people believe that you can only be a good person if you believe in God. Mm-hmm. That, like, morality is based on God. Yeah, on religion. It makes no sense. Because the only reason you don't sin, sin in quotations, is because you want to go to heaven. Well, maybe the only reason I don't sin is because I just don't do immoral things. Because yeah, I, I don't want to hurt other people. Yeah, like I have a intrinsic reason behind it. Right. I can acknowledge that the suffering of others is bad mm-hmm. and that makes me unhappy. And in like a game theoretical way, it'll make bad things happen to me more than likely. If I go around acting like an asshole, it's going to come back and mm-hmm. bite me. I mean, even though I'm not like religious in any sense, I do like the idea of karma as an idea because it's like you treat people well just because you want that to come back to you and you want to spread goodness rather right. than it's like a reward that I'm going to get. I'm going to get to go to heaven. Yeah. It doesn't even need to be like, yeah. like It doesn't need to be religious at all. Yeah. Religious or like even a punishment. You could just be, be want, want to do good things because the world could be a nicer place and be, it would be nice to live in that world. Yeah. Yeah. And like karma, um, I mean, it makes sense in like a general kind of way where like, yeah, obviously most of the time it seems that if you are a really nice person, then people will take notice of that and treat you nicely as well. And if you're just a hor- horrible person, it'll probably go bad for you in the end. But I feel like in the kind of religious karma way, it's obviously not, uh, doesn't happen all the time. Like not every single horrible person, bad things happen to. There are plenty of horrible people where their life goes amazing forever until they die. So then the religious way to say it all equals out in the end is that, you know, the next life they're treated badly or they went mm-hmm. to hell or whatever it is they got after they died, they got punished or, or rewarded for whatever it was they were doing. And uh, that seems like nonsense to me. Yeah. But so right now, do you have any sort of uh, any sort of spiritual belief? Like, do you believe in anything after death? Or uh, No, I don't believe in anything after death. Um, I've kind of relaxed because um, I was very, very hardcore atheist. Like right after I kind of did all that research, I was like, there's no you know, proof of anything. But now I'm a little bit more open to um, questions about like spirituality a little bit. But I also think that mostly manifestation, but I also think that is psychology and the placebo effect. If you manifest, you know, happiness, you're you're just going to yeah. um, naturally be happier. It's kind of like if you smile, you're going to be happier because it's muscle memory. So I do most of it is probably psychology, but I have been looking into a little bit more of like journaling and meditating. But I oh, think okay. that's more psychology than like spirituality. So. Yeah. I think uh, the word manifest is it's one of those words buzzword, where yeah. it's, it's like an alert. It's like a red flag to me. It's like are you speaking like pseudoscientific <laughs> nonsense right now? And then I got to like listen and see what they mean by yeah, manifest. Yeah. Cause if you're talking like law of attraction, the secret yeah. kind of stuff, then I think that's nonsense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in the sense that like, if you think positive thoughts, you're going to be more of a positive person. Yeah. yeah. It's life's going to go easier for you mm-hmm. because people don't want to be around depressed people. Yeah. Then yeah, it makes sense. I think spirituality is good for personal practice as far as like journaling and meditation goes, especially like, cause I don't have access to any kind of like, I don't have insurance, so I don't have access to, like, therapists or any kind of, like, medication for mental health problems, so that's been, like, something that's helping, like, personal journey is, like, kind of 
taking practices of spirituality without actually believing in like the spirituality of yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, like meditation is very useful and you don't have to do it thinking any sort of like yeah. religious idea or any sort of supernatural idea. You don't have to think of consciousness as being separate from your body mm-hmm. to, to meditate. You can still get all the benefits of it without swallowing any of the mm-hmm. fiction. So all I believe consciousness is is brain activity. I mean, right. all your sight is is like reflection of electromagnetic waves. All your all of anything is is just your brain's perception of the world. Right. And like when you die, that brain activity stops and your consciousness stops with it. And there's yep. nothing after. That's what I believe right now anyway. Same. I mean, it, it makes the most sense out of all yeah. the, the possible theories. Yeah. And it, it seems like um, it's got a nice symmetry too. Not that that symmetry would make it true. But it is just kind of nice to think about. Um, you know, you come from nothing and you go back to nothing. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the dust. You right, from dust, dust to dust. dust you return. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, the Catholic thing that they say. Which, I don't know why they say that. Because they don't believe that. Yeah. There's this one movie that I'm forgetting what it's called. But it's on Netflix right now. And it's got Nancy from Stranger Things. And she's a Catholic girl in a Catholic school. And the whole thing of the movie is about, like, uh, sex. Oh, I've heard about like, this, Sexual oppression yeah. and, like, her desire but conflict about masturbation mm-hmm. and like she's getting told that that's a sin but then she like really wants to do it and they say that like multiple times it's like they're they chant not their chant but it's like their catchphrase of the catholic school she goes yeah. to they say whatever you're, yeah you were dust, dust you were dust, dust you yeah that and i kept on thinking the whole time every time they said that it's like why are they saying that though because they don't <laughs> like that's the whole thing that people like religious people especially like I mean, the ones who don't believe in evolution, they're like, it's it's ridiculous to think that we came from rocks. They say stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Not that we, not that anybody thinks we came from rocks. But <laughs> they're like, we didn't come from ooze or slime or like rocks. We came from God. Yeah. But then they say from dusts, you were like, they don't believe you came from dust. I'm pretty sure God oh, right. created it, God, Adam from dust. I guess, yeah, they yeah. mean in that sense. And then they say to dust, you return. And yeah, I guess your body, they, they mean that. Mm-hmm. But they definitely think you don't actually die. Yeah. You go on forever. God's grace. Yeah. yeah. So I guess the from dust thing, yeah, that, that might make sense. Because, yeah, Genesis supposedly. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was Eve who was created from Adam's rib. Yeah. And Adam was yeah, created yeah. from dust and right. Which, okay, then that goes the other way. And it makes me think, why do these religious people who are like, you don't come from rocks or from ooze. Why is that such a ridiculous thing to yeah, believe? Yeah, yeah. If you, they believe that we came from dust. I remember when I was trying to kind of like justify like Christianity and when I was like going between, I would kind of say like, oh, God created evolution. God was the right. one who caused yeah. evolution to happen. And I think that is something I'll just do believe. Oh, yeah. A yeah. lot of them yeah. seem to try and marry science with religion. It can be done at least a little. But I mm. think I think like ultimately they are contradictory. Yeah. I think to the extent that you are religious, you can't be a scientist. And the extent that you are a scientist, you can't be religious. You could be technically, you can be a, a science, like a religious scientist, but I think whenever like you have to make room for your religion in, in the science you're doing, you're failing at being a scientist. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. If you're a geologist who also believes that the Earth is successful in your soul, you're probably a really bad geologist. And I wonder that because technically Carol is Presbyterian affiliated, but I don't think a lot of the professors are religious at all because I've had several professors like talk about religion in their classes and they seem to be very much not so i wonder how that if that is like because the school is technically presbyterian affiliated but they don't really do a lot yeah they don't try to actually spread an agenda or anything yeah they don't really do a lot of anything with it i mean that's good yeah yeah i mean i wouldn't have gone there if they would have (laughs) yeah yeah i do see that a lot just the other day i was driving and i saw just lutheran school and i was thinking like why is that allowed yeah why does the government 
allow schools or I mean, allow schools to be run by whatever religion. It's just like, you know, it's people who have, they have an agenda in what they're trying to teach you. Mm-hmm. And that, that agenda is not the same as just education. Yeah. Like it's, it's, at least in some categories, it's anti-education. Yeah. They're trying to like get around teaching you certain things. Maybe they don't want to teach you evolution. Maybe they don't want to teach you like sex education. Such ex- yeah. yeah, education. It it seems like it shouldn't be a thing that schools can be run by religions. Mm-hmm. I, it's, I feel like we should have separation fr- from church and state, and separation from church and education. Yeah, yeah, as well. For sure. Yeah, and if you want to give your kids a religious education, you can send them to Sunday school on their own time. Yeah, just yeah. like church, yeah. not like a, a school that yeah. is owned by a church. That doesn't seem right. I mean, I don't really want churches to exist either, but <laughs> I guess I wouldn't it's go to the, the extent freedom of, of religion. Right, <laughs> banning them. But I do think they should be taxed. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I guess the the caveat might be that unless they could like reach the same standards that any other um, charity could reach, mm-hmm. then they can be tax free. Because like if you can prove that you're doing good to the yeah, world, like yeah. then then I guess fine, you are a charity. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of churches they take wouldn't meet that. Yeah. Right? Yeah pretty sure i know that my church like every once in a while they'd be like oh this month our donations are going to this but it's like what about the other months of the year where's the donation going right like my church um when i was a kid we like expanded we got a huge building and like really nice stuff and it's like was this necessary all that money that your participants were cashing out like you just got a really nice church building instead of actually helping other people doesn't seem like something a good charity should should be yeah, doing no. you don't need a building for a charity to be honest you technically don't need a building for a church either. It says in the Bible, Jesus says, <laughs> right. make the world your worship. And if you don't have a building, you will worship elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. We were talking a little about, you mentioned you wrote an essay about motherhood. Yeah. So I wish that I recalled a lot of his contents more, but I did um, some sections on how motherhood um, negatively affects careers and how men who have children actually get paid more after having children. They end up with a higher average salary, just like by different factors and then women end up having a lower average salary just due to different factors of how much housework is divided between average couples how much uh, child care is divided it's usually maternity leave most places don't well not most more places are offering paternity leave but more places offer maternity leave and there's just certain factors that it's like women more often than not are taking a pay decrease after having children. Really? And it's not like the, the job is giving them a pay decrease. It's just different factors of how many hours they work. They typically work okay. less hours after having children and men typically work more or the same hours after having children. And it has partially to do with like society. Um, men do significantly less housework and they report doing more housework than they do. <laughs> Apologize if I'm messing up the statistic, but I think one of the things I cited was that when men were doing housework and childcare, women were doing free time, quote, free time activities about 11 to 15% of the time that the men were doing the house care, meaning that the other percent of the time they were working. And when the men were, or when the women were taking care of the children and doing housework, men were doing free time activities like 50% of the time, which means mm-hmm. that they were working. So the only time the men were doing chores or taking care of children was when they're wives were working and this was only heterosexual couples in this study but it just shows that men are less willing to help with the family that they created which causes women to decrease the amount that they work and it takes not only a toll on their career but a toll on the marriage because women are happier in partnerships where chores are equally distributed and it takes toll on just like mental health i can like speak from experience like my mom does everything 
she has done everything since we all had kids and she's very depressed and her marriage is not good because he doesn't help. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. can see it happen in most families that I know and like my friends, like most men don't really participate in doing a lot of, you know, inside chores. I mean, they're like, oh, I mowed a lawn. But... Do you think there's like a good way to change that at all? Have there been any like experiments in other countries or like maybe on a community level where I know that, they do something to fix it? I know that um, happiness is reported to have increased um, after having children in, I think, I think it was France, Denmark, and Brazil. And then every other country happiness decreased after having children. But I think most of it, unfortunately, would have to be like cultural change. Yeah. which is raising your sons who, you know, do their fair share of housework. I think another study that I cited is that girls start doing household chores at an earlier age and they start doing more. They do more hours of chores just by default of gender bias of parents. And it's kind of we instill these gender roles in our children before they leave the house and they kind of, you know, expect to take on those roles as far as chores and like childcare goes. So I think the only way that it could ever be changed is kind of like a cultural shift. And I think I've like been seeing that a lot, a lot with like my peers who are in like relationships, like doing more of their fair share. But I think there's no way that you can legally force people to do more housework. I think yeah. It has to be kind of like a cultural responsibility. So in countries like Brazil and in France, they have a different culture around those things? Um yeah, I haven't. I didn't cite that study in my paper. Oh. I actually just came across it the other day. But yeah, I'd be interested to see like what is the reason why happiness increases after having children in those countries as opposed to everywhere else. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know at least in France they've got much better. Yeah. Uh, like work. Government support. Got, yeah, support yeah. and also things around like work. Like you get more vacation days, so you probably have better things around maternity or paternity leave. Probably they care more. They do like the companies aren't uh, making it harder on you after you have kids. They're probably making it a lot easier on you mm -hmm. than other countries are. But yeah, I wonder if the, the culture of the raising children is a lot different there. Yeah. From my experience in France, I don't have any information that I could share because I stayed in a family with two boys. So I couldn't really judge a difference mm -hmm. within that family between boys and girls. Yeah. I mean, I can see it like with my brother, like he doesn't. I know like my sister and I started, you know, watching our siblings and babysitting our siblings like doing laundry, doing dishes at the age of, like, yeah. 10, at least, like, babysitting our siblings. And he is, like, almost 12, and he doesn't really, really? do anything, much of anything besides clean his room. Wow. And it's, like, I just know for a fact that if I was a boy, I wouldn't have been expected to be, like, a second mom to my sister. Like, I pretty much took on, like, a parental role for her. And it's, like, I f have a feeling that if I was a boy, I wouldn't have been expected to do that. I mean, with topics like these, I always wonder a lot about how much it comes down to like the socialization, like culture mm -hmm. uh, versus biology. Um, and in this per particular circumstance, one thing I'm wondering is if you looked at families in when they grow up and when they get married, how they act. For instance, if you look at families where, like mine, you have four boys, no girls. Mm -hmm. So we can't really, the difference that I observe in who does more housework at an earlier age actually goes based on birth order oh yeah yeah so like i look at my youngest brother and it seems like he doesn't have to do any housework at all compared to what <laughs> that's I. that's definitely a kid. factor as well yeah <laughs> um so then i wonder if you looked at us when we get older and mm -hmm. when we're married and like between our spouses like if that would that trend would continue like mm -hmm. my youngest brother would do less, <laughs> do less yeah, work yeah, in yeah. his marriage and i would do more and my older brothers would be, do even more than me mm -hmm. so i wonder if there'd be like a 
one-to-one relationship between childhood raising and mm-hmm. adulthood. And then if you, you know, looked in families with a girl and a boy, and yeah, that would yeah. continue there. Mm-hmm. No, that definitely is a factor, too. Because, like, as, you know, the younger children are, I like, arguably, I think there are probably studies back, except, like, they're more, they don't have as much expected of them. Yeah. And it's more laid-back parenting. Parents are more lenient. Yeah. yeah. It's like they don't. They, they don't, don't have to care tired. as much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're tired of this. It's they, like those commercials where they're like, oh, after your second kid, you like don't care as much. Yeah. 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 You no longer like cover all the sharp edges yeah, of your conkers yeah. with that rubber <laughs> to stop them. You just, if they're going to smack their head on it, yeah, that's fine. They can just go to the hospital or whatever. I'm already in debt. Yeah. So then I wonder, like if you would look on a family per family basis and you see how those, mm-hmm. what age those kids had started doing yeah. housework, if that would be relevant at all to when they get older. Mm-hmm. so then maybe if like two families have girls and boys and whatever and they raise them in different different ways if that yeah, there's, re- a lot of reflects, control. there's a lot of control yeah there's a lot of variables factors, happening yeah yeah i know that the study that i cited about uh, girls starting to do chores at an earlier age i think they did take like a large sample so it might have just, yeah, had just an average bare, of yeah, like all like people a, yeah it wasn't i don't think it was controlled for like the amount of girls and boys in the household or like birth order right and then I would I would wonder based on biology because I don't know I've, I've seen this come up a lot of times where people like to put the larger emphasis on um, socialization and like culture mm-hmm. and it makes sense because that's something you can obvi- much more obviously do something about and change mm-hmm. whereas like if it is down to like biological factors it's much harder to change yeah yeah and people don't want to take a defeatist attitude on these things. But I do wonder how much of it comes down to just difference in evolutionary history between girls and guys. Because, like, you think about far, far back in time, guys, I don't know, even if you're, like, a caveman (laughs) or whatever, you just go around and, like, impregnate a woman and then leave. Yeah. From the perspective of, like, energy costs in raising a child, for, like, a male, it doesn't require, like, any energy. Mm -hmm. And for a female, it's like, you have a good chance of dying from, from doing this thing. Yeah. So, like, there's a sad to think but it seems like an inbuilt like psychology of wanting wanting to to make this as cheap as as possible if you're a guy Mm -hmm. and then it's a i mean you can't avoid the large cost if you're Mm -hmm. a girl that's what's really frustrating is like i do not plan on having children so if any man would ever try to convince me to it's like why would i want to sacrifice all of these you know my time my money my energy into a family that you want and you don't even you're not going to even put that effort into right yeah 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 that's i guess the biology thing it's not to say that that's like a good excuse or a reason that we should expect guys guys to not do anything yeah but it it would at least mean that it takes like a conscious working against your Mm -hmm. intuitions or your your instincts i guess yeah as a a guy you have to like like force yourself Mm -hmm. to put in more effort than your mammalian dna wants you to well it's the same thing as like being raised in the patriarchy and like that sort of thing like some like a lot of guys same way like white people are like sometimes inherently racist like Mm. men are also like more most men are sexist and they have to work to change that as opposed to just yeah most men have to work to unlearn things that they yeah it's yeah it's not really like we can just say oh just be the way that nature would have you be because then you're going to be like a a murderer and a rapist and all sorts of horrible things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just wondering if there's, aside from raising kids a certain way, is there a way to, I guess, emphasize or, like, reward more widespread, like, guys putting more effort into raising children? Mm-hmm. How do you incentivize that? Yeah. 
Yeah, there's no legal way to force someone to pull their weight in a marriage because it's kind of like their personal family, their personal life. Yeah. So I think it's really frustrating, yeah, that they're like, it has to be like kind of like taught. You have to like teach your children, teach your sons. That, like, I guess, yeah, edu- yeah. education yeah. You, you could do through like mm-hmm. yeah, through schooling. School. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, didn't they only make girls take home ec in like... Oh, like in the past yeah, or now? Yeah, in the past. I definitely not now, too. not yeah. now, yeah, but in the past. I'm that sure sounds they right. Used to, yeah, that. I'm pretty sure my mom told me in school it was only the girls who took right. home ec. So, I, so guess I guess, yeah. Those are the things you could change. Yes. And like in your sex ed class, you could talk about that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Expectations of parenting on... yeah both genders mm-hmm. rather than just it, yeah making it about the one because especially in an early age in sex ed like when i was in fourth grade you would split the girls and the guys and you would learn about your own subject because i guess it was too young to learn about female yeah. body parts yet um and you just learn about like your own anatomy but i don't know i feel like it wouldn't be that weird of a thing to learn about pregnancy and, and like child raising as well you wouldn't yeah. have to learn about like how female orgasms work in fourth grade. You could wait a year to do that. Yeah, <laughs> wait a year <laughs> or two. I don't know. But, but you could you could earlier on teach about yeah like child care, mm-hmm. and child raising. Yeah, I think that would be like, viable. So, yeah, at least better than not doing anything. Yeah. So you don't plan on having any kids? No way. I don't, <laughs> I don't care if I'm too young to say it. Um, uh, do you just mean physically having kids, or would you ever adopt? I would not ever adopt. Huh? I know that I wouldn't be a good parent. Um, oh. Because, well, partially because I did basically raise my two siblings, and I kind of want to take my own, you know, I kind of, like, gave up a lot of, like, my teenage years, like, oh. watching after them, and it's just kind of not something I'm interested in, and um, it kind of sounds selfish. I know people say people who don't have kids are selfish, but I don't really care, because it's, <laughs> you know, the one life that I have, and I kind of yeah. want to have disposable income and have my own time, and... I just know that I would hate being a parent, and no child deserves a parent that, right. you know, hates raising them. Do you have any idea of how much of the happiness that goes down as you have more children, how much that's related to getting poorer and poorer? I'm sure that is partially part of the reason. I know right. the study didn't cite that, but they did cite um, satisfaction with your finances, right. um, and that went down as well. I think the only thing that went up after having children in this study of women was, like, their their like sense of purpose like it gives yeah. them like oh right. i'm Something like a mom yeah, yeah yeah but i'm pretty sure every other factor including like their satisfaction with their finances but it definitely has something to do with being poor i mean right. like my parents got extremely poor after having two more kids and it's yeah. like it's always you know part of it part of it is like you know access to birth control and sex education yeah. and that sort of thing that causes people to have you know more than more kids than they expected yeah that thing it seems weird nowadays that people are just like, surprise, you've got a kid. Like, what, were you not using any form of birth control at all? Like, how does that happen? It, like, in t- today, like... You can literally walk into a Planned Parenthood and get free, free condoms. I've gotten free birth control pills from... Free birth control pills. From Planned Parenthood. Like, I don't understand why people don't take advantage yeah, of that. Yeah, I feel like everyone should be doing that. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I guess, like, I think it's... um a high percentage of Catholics that actually get abortions because they oh, don't believe yes. in the birth control pill. There is there is a whole lot to say there about yeah. Catholics yep. <laughs> and abortions and uh, extramarital child that happen. It's like all the shaming that goes on and then the uh, mothers kind of get pressured into giving their kids to the Catholic Church mm-hmm. because, you know, it's like, oh, sh- shame on you, woman. You had, a, yeah. you had sex out of wedlock and now you have a child. Give it to us. Mm-hmm. Well, like, quote unquote help you but that's what they wanted because now they have more children in their system you know to abuse yeah and also to raise as catholics 
and then they kind of in, they incentivize or not incentivize but secretly incentivize they they make it happen that uh you're gonna have a lot of these un, unwanted pregnancies and like lack of access to birth control because they teach within the the whole system yeah, that birth control is bad. unnatural and yeah. bad so it's like this whole cycle of making women have lots of pregnancies bring all those kids into the catholic church raise them up they're gonna have unwanted births and it's gonna go on and on you're gonna just it sustains the the machine of yeah keeping like a large catholic base and keeping large base for these priests uh, rape boys which the catholic church rapes boys yeah everyone knows that but i mean you're gonna do anything about yeah. it. yeah i know my parents get pretty upset when i bring that up about the catholic church because my mom used to be catholic and like it's like why do you want to brush that aren't you ashamed of yeah. it like why do you want to brush it under the table and i mean they don't just rape boys they rape girls yeah, too but they rape more boys it seems but yeah so about the money thing though it makes me wonder if another partial solution to the mm-hmm. problem of happiness going down with more children would be something like universal basic income. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. then you wouldn't have to necessarily get super poor the more children you have. Mm-hmm. You would be able to like sustain yourself and at least even if your husband isn't helping out as much as you want, you wouldn't still be having to like go into debt and worry about yeah. your future and yeah. your finances. No, I think universal basic income is actually a very viable solution for a lot of people. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it seems to solve or at least come close to solving a lot of problems mm-hmm. especially like people who can't afford you know like mental you know right. help and yeah. that sort of thing there are a lot of people especially if you are depressed because you know and that sort of stuff affects your kids also yeah so it's like if and, you had yeah, the money to you know help yourself and then all it's like a trickle-down effect <laughs> you know you need people need money most of the yeah. reason why Yes, people need, you know... Trickle-down effect, that's another red flag. <laughs> trickle-down economics. Um, oh. No, I mean in your life. Right. Like, if you... Right, if you... If, if you, you satisfy you, one portion of your life... Others will yeah, come, come yeah, into yeah. place, too. And if you fix your own problems, then the people around you will have less problems because you're not forcing your problems onto them mm-hmm. anymore. It's like uh, everything's kind of connected. And yeah. You, you fix little things and it, it expands. It's like a ripple effect. Ripple effect. <laughs> Do you get free birth control? Um, so this is a funny story. Once I used to do the free birth control pills from Planned Parenthood, but once my mom found out about it, she made me go and get them from my doctor, which I have to pay money for now, but she wasn't comfortable with me going to Planned Parenthood because of, they perform abortions and she didn't want me going there just in case I would have <laughs> you increased didn't want to access yourself to, with yeah, where they I do don't abortions. know, it was just dude, she's, I was living at home at the time, so. I just complied. And now I pay $20 a month for it instead of getting it for free. Okay. Do you know any, like, thing about the, the different options for birth control? Like, because there's yeah, the one where you put your arm. There's, like, the a IU. lots. I'm pretty sure there's um, the implant in your arm and the depo shot, which are more effective than the pills, but they have a lot more side effects. And then you can get a, the Nuva ring, which you actually stick it up there and you leave it in there for a month and then you take it out. And change it, and it's like, like has, uh, yeah, and it has like localized hormones, so it's mm. still like a hormonal thing, but it's not going through your whole body like okay. birth control pill does. It just, you know, it's more localized. Same thing with the IUD, which is just like localized, and then you can get the copper IUD, which is not hormones, but it's just for some reason, um, copper actually kills sperm. It's like spermicide. So if you oh. just, if you're not a fan of hormones in your body, you can do the copper IUD instead. And then there's the pill, the patch, which you just stick on your arm. Like a nicotine patch? Yeah, yeah, you just stick it on your arm and it just, you know, has, 
I'm not sure how it works, but it just has hormone. It's another form of hormonal birth control. And I'm pretty sure that's it, aside from condoms and abstinence. And I guess, like, uh, plan B. Like yeah. After the yeah. birth control. Yeah. So you said one has more side effects. What are the side effects? Um, well, they're different for everyone, but I know the implant has been known to make you uh, have your period for three weeks at a time. And, oh. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something. Wait, three weeks every month? Yeah. So, so then ha- you're most of the time you're on your period. Yeah. For basically. Why would I even want that? Yeah. But people, <laughs> the implant sometimes, I've heard some people say that it works well for them and they don't have oh. that option, but it, it has a very high rate of, I'm not sure the technical term for it, but just like bleeding all the time. Oh. Yeah. I mean, like the pill is not the worst, but it definitely, personally, I've experienced a lot of increased like depression and anxiety from it and it can make you. Do you know it's from that or just from life in general? <laughs> no, I know it is from that because it's like, sorry if this is like really personal, but it's like no, the no. week of my period, I get really depressed and really anxious. And I didn't have that kind of like sink prior to going okay. on the pill. It was more like depression all the time, but it was a lot more, mi- it was a lot more mild as okay. well. So, and then a lot of just like nausea that week as well. And it like makes you... I don't know. Kind of, some people you can make you gain weight and a lot of water retention too. Oh, okay. But it's like some for some reason the pill has really high rates of increasing depression and anxiety as opposed to any other birth control, which is Is it mostly just the week of the period or just all the time? For me, but it just depends on, you the know, person. it affects everyone differently and there's also like so many different brands and like it really people say it takes a while to find one that you, you know, yeah. is least effective or at least side effects on your body, which is really, it's frustrating because I could be missing some key details of this, but the FDA has shot down most male birth control trials because of the side effects, but the side effects aren't as bad as they are for women, but the reason why the, the a lot of the female birth control trials go through is because the risk of pregnancy is, like, it outweighs those side effects, according to the FDA, but men don't have that risk of pregnancy. So in order for a drug to pass, the side effects can't outweigh the benefit of avoiding, of like, of what you're taking the medication for. How do they calculate that? I wonder. I'm not sure. But I know that for some reason they don't count getting someone pregnant as... That's the risk of pregnancy? The risk of, yeah, they don't weight those the same, apparently. Because I know weird. that um, male birth control trials have been launched, but they've never gone through because, they've you know, there's been, like, reports of like weight gain and nausea yeah. and like similar side effects it's hormonal but is there a case to be made to not do birth control because of these side effects or not do like the pill or something like that i guess it just and, like depends. only use condoms because just... you want to avoid the hormones it depends on how much risk you want to take i guess because the pill is 99 percent effective are condoms not 99 percent effective they're like 70 70 70 to 80 because they break and who breaks condoms <laughs> frequently? I don't know. They can, you know, poke holes in them. Yeah, I guess you, you can, People put them on wrong, I guess. Yeah, you can, like, tamper with them if you're, like, yeah. you know, trying to get a girl or trying to get yourself pregnant. Secretly, you can fuck with the yeah, condoms. Yeah, yeah. You can't just, really do that with the pill, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well. And it's also, like, ways. just ways you can get, like, pre-cum or, like, afterwards. And, like, the <laughs> yeah. pill is just all the time. You're all protected. That's it's true, just that's more, true. more safe. I feel like and i mean i guess from the perspective of having the sex it's less pleasurable with yeah. the condom on so they say 
Do you? <laughs> this might be too personal. Too, I don't know. Do you use um, like multiple forms of birth control? No, just the one. <laughs> so you don't use condoms? No. Ninety-nine <laughs> percent is good enough for you then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I wouldn't have a problem getting an abortion. Is oh yeah, I was the about ans- to ask, Is like, the answer to the question uh, that one percent is not as frightening for me, just because I would have zero qualms with getting an abortion. Oh okay. Um, is that? I guess it probably depends on what stage you get an abortion. Is the actual act of getting an abortion, is that something that can be dangerous to the female? There are complications that can occur, but in the first trimester, they're really safe. And most of them happen in the first trimester. That's why I get really frustrated when people ask me, well, what do you think about third trimester abortions? Like, is it okay to kill you know, baby at the third trimester, well, most people don't get, if you don't want to have a child, you're going to have an abortion as soon as you can have access to it. And it's like, I don't know the exact percent, but it's a high 90% of abortions happen within the first trimester. And the only reason that people would get third trimester abortions is if there's a medical medical complication or, you know, the mom's going to die. Right. I believe, um, I don't remember the exact year. It was either 1990 or 1982, but whatever time Bill Clinton got elected for the first time. I guess that would have been 1992. So he was George H.W. Bush versus Bill Clinton mm-hmm. and Ross Perot or whatever. And uh, George H.W. Bush was part of his campaign, like his commercials were running on like late mm-hmm. abortion. It was partial birth oh, abortions was mm-hmm. the term. And they were making it out to be like the Clintons are like in favor <laughs> of birth, like a- abortion at any time. And like, but did you know that partial birth abortions, it's like the the day before the pregnancy is yeah, going to happen. Yeah, and, it's and like fear mongering. Right. And yeah. they're inflating it to be this thing that happens all the time. And all these crazy girls out are, are getting these partial birth abortions. <laughs> it's like this thing in 1992 had happened like seven times. And each time, yeah, it's because mm-hmm. the, the doctor is like, you know, if we allow you to give birth to this baby, there's a chance that you're like going to die. Mm-hmm. So like, we're going to just do an abortion on it. And sorry. Yeah, and then George H. W. Bush is like, no, it's happening all the time. They just they're just having sex frivolously because they want to get these abortions. Um, so I think now in people's brains, partially like it started then. Yeah, people yeah. are thinking these late these third trimester yeah. abortions are happening just all the time when they're really not. Yeah, you know that's just like really because I am I've been like in recent years pretty vocal about how pro choice I am with my friends and just like on the internet and stuff like that and are people... you having more uh, arguments on the internet <laughs> with people just reverse this no time? i just um i don't know if you were on instagram are you i i just like i had made an instagram like in 2016 because i was like doing a trip to france and the people sending me there wanted me to make an instagram to put you know oh, okay. to make them look good yeah so I did that, and then I was like, I'm never going to use the Instagram account again. And then, like, just like last week, I was like, I don't know, should I post something on Instagram? And I did. Oh so I guess I kind of on Instagram. After this. <laughs> anyway, why? But um, it's like, I don't know if trend is the right word, but it's like a norm for people to post about social issues they care about, like on their Instagram story or okay. whatever. So, like, I know when um, the whole your, uh, health, your health insurance or your work can deny you birth control coverage for um religious reasons under claim of religious freedom like i did a post about that just like wait religious freedom on the part of the the, employer oh the employer yeah so you know i just like i think every once in a while i'll post a feminist birth control pro-choice related issue so i feel like the majority of people that i know or follow me know where i stand on that and a lot of people ask me like at what point 
would you cut it off? And it's like, I don't really think that many people are having, you know, second and third trimester abortions just because they don't want to be pregnant. The majority of people are having them in the first trimester. And at that point, it all comes down to bodily autonomy and just the pro-choice aspect of it. And, you know, later, and I mean, they recognize in law when it was for, you know, Roe v. Wade, that the potentiality of life is recognized at a certain point. And that's why third trimester abortions are illegal unless you have it under medical reason. Yeah. So I feel like it's kind of like a little gotcha question that a lot of pro-life people ask. And it's kind of irrelevant in, in a sense, because it's already illegal to have a third trimester abortion unless you have a medical reason. So, yeah, that makes me think of a few questions. What's her name? Amy Coney, Coney, Coney Barrett. Oh, uh, yeah. Are, are you worried at all about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg not, you know, dying and then being replaced by somebody who's more conservative about that? The possibility of overturning Roe v. Wade? I don't know, because people have been saying that uh, the right needs abortion to remain a hot topic issue. They do, yes. Because they need those they Christian will, voters. Yeah, they will lose a lot of their... I know a lot of people, like my great-grandma is a single-issue voter and it's abortion and she yeah, doesn't look at are. anything else. And people say that if they lose that, that would be too detrimental for them. So It's already yeah. difficult for conservatives, Republicans to win elections nowadays. Without and, suppressing voters. Yeah. yeah. And, and now if you can't suppress voters... Or even if you can, and you, but you don't have the abortion thing, yeah, how are you going to win? Yeah, so I don't know. That kind of eased my when I you know thought about that. That kind of eased my conscience a little so bit. They but wouldn't actually really want to. Yeah. They just want to make it look like they're going to yeah, yeah. forever and then never do it. Yeah, until people are less. I feel like as generation, what people catch on, or people will care. Yeah, the other way, they they won't be pro life as much. I th- I'm not sure what percentage of the U.S. actually is pro life. Do you I, know? I have, no, I have idea. no idea. I mean, my guess, based off not much, would be like 40%. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's a slight minority. Yeah. Still probably a large percentage of people. Yeah, yeah. It's like slight every yeah. Christian, almost. Yeah, but that's going downhill, too. The amount of Christians in the country and the amount of people who are religious. <laughs> yeah, even in just the past couple of years, it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting. And especially, or, um, not surprisingly, young, among yeah, young people. Yeah. yeah. I think I was just looking at Pew Research um, polls about how people feel about different religions, like Mm -hmm. how favorable they look upon whatever religion. And it was um, millennials right now. I think that the the shift that happened over the course of like 2014 to 2018 is that they look at, I think it's Catholics. They like Catholics the least out of all religious groups. Interesting. And um, they like, I think Buddhists the most. And usually the uh, numbers for um, Muslims and for atheists are very low. Mm -hmm. And now they're actually pretty high. Among millennials, anyway. Mm -hmm. And then among non-millennials, anybody older than that. uh, They didn't interview anyone, or anyone younger. It was just millennials and up. Yeah, yeah, I think it was just, like, two broad brackets. Mm -hmm. And uh, the older age was, like, they look more favorably now upon atheists and Muslims than they used to. So, like, that's gone up. And Catholics are still very, very well regarded amongst older people. But I think uh, Jews are actually the highest. Like the shift, like mm-hmm. the Catholics went down a little bit, but they're still high up for, for older people. Yeah, I mean, the actual amount of religious people and people who say they attend church on a uh, mm-hmm. weekly basis is going down as well. So. I'd like to see the amount of senators who are religious go down because I'm pretty sure it's oh. 100%. Yeah, I don't think there's a single atheist in Congress currently, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know at least that uh, some people don't, I don't know if they wouldn't say they're openly yeah. atheist, but they wouldn't actually say they're religious either. Like, I don't think Bernie Sanders or like, 
Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says they're religious. I'm pretty sure AOC did say she was. Oh, she did? Yeah, on like, in a tweet, she was saying that her values are, you know, feed the poor, heal the sick. Along with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, kind of thing. But I remember, I think in my high school AP Gov class, we actually looked at um, the religions of the House and Senate. I don't think, in, at that point, there was not an open atheist. Right. Yeah, it's funny because the uh, representatives are supposed to represent yeah. what people look like, and it's like skews way Catholic and way uh, like Christian and way and, like, white and, 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 and way white and, and way male. male. <laughs> yeah, and it's like where are all the atheists? Where are all the Muslim? Where are all the females? Where are all the black people? Where are all the and poor people? I mean, where the are average the poor people? Yeah. Right. I mean, I guess that's kind of hard to do. Yeah, nowadays on a congressman's salary it's like as soon as you become a congressman you're not a poor person yeah anymore. and you can't really be elected anymore if you oh definitely have, you can't yeah. be elected to begin with yeah that's a good point yeah. the funding <laughs> to campaign which yeah i mean that's a whole, whole different topic but that thing like how we run campaigns and funding for campaigns like that needs to be completely flipped over and overdone like i don't think you should be able to get donations from citizens yeah, yeah. i think it should probably be a set amount paid for by the government right so like everybody's tax money equally that each candidate gets yeah. people on an even footing rather than just being like a money race. Yeah. I also think that term limits would be a oh, huge yeah. benefit Definitely. to getting like big money and like career politicians. Yeah. Out. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's difficult because the people who vote on those things are the people who benefit from yeah, them. Right. They're not really serving their constituents. They're just serving themselves in most cases anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, generally I would be a fan of not having career politicians either, but then you got to also acknowledge that like, People, some some people are good career yeah. politicians. Like Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. is a career politician at this point. Yeah, been one for like fifty years now, and I'm pretty big fan of him. Yeah, but um, you can't have yeah. You can't really base that on just one guy yeah. versus all the rest of like the guys who are doing it the wrong way. To my premises. Right. So you can just say let's have not no career politicians, and then if that means bye Bernie, you know. he can retire. He's right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'd like to know. I mean, I know it's a it's a hard ask, but what is your like? argument i guess that you would make to a pro-life person about why pro-choice is the more in your opinion correct choice i tend to stray away from arguments where it's like oh it's not even a life it doesn't have brain activity because they are coming from a very emotional place because i do believe that a lot of people genuinely believe that you know these fetuses have souls and they have oh yeah you know about that whole aspect of it especially religious people like i do believe that there are some people who are just they're not not religious uh, pro-life but they are pro for oh. or they're anti-choice but gotcha. for people who actually do believe that it's like a life i don't like using the argument where it's like oh it can't feel it can't think because i find it to be insensitive and i try to go more from the bodily autonomy route and the religious freedom route where it's to you it has a soul and that is because of your religion and your attachment to it but you cannot push that kind of belief onto anyone else And in the same way that we wouldn't force anyone to, you know, donate an organ to keep someone alive, we wouldn't force anyone to give blood to keep someone alive. You can't force a woman to continue a pregnancy just because you believe that it is keeping someone alive kind of deal. I find it frustrating that we give dead bodies, like people who didn't uh, consent to be an organ donor, you know, more bodily autonomy than we give women. This is like kind of, it's more of a personal choice and I don't like using arguments where it's like oh it's not a life it doesn't feel anything because to them it does but to me it doesn't and that's where the choice part comes in yeah and i know it's sometimes you get the pushback where it's like oh you're still you're still a murderer you're still killing something but i think 
you can't really argue with the fact that it's like to me it's not murder i mean i would wonder about if uh you're saying bodily autonomy is the main reason if somebody could say what about the autonomy of the unborn child like do they have any or like should they have any i think that um the mother kind of has you would put the life of a actual living breathing person over the life of a fetus just because of it's it's her body that it's going it's happening to and it's going on in, and it's also her life that it's going to affect yeah. so i think the autonomy part is she's kind of in the driver's seat of it and it's not really i mean and then also the consciousness part comes into it as well but i think still saying that oh it's not a life isn't really going to be a good argument for them because they still believe that it is a life yeah but I think that the life of the grown woman matters more than the supposed life of the fetus. Right. I don't know how much you want me to uh, argue with about something that I agree with you on, but... No, no, no. Caden does that all the time. A yeah. Devil's advocate. Yeah. Makes you a better arguer. Okay. Well, I'll say one more thing then. Okay. I don't, it's not really a comparison between the life of the mother and the life of the child, though, because... Mm-hmm. At least in, in a lot of cases. Not all of them, obviously. But a lot of cases, the life of the mother isn't at risk at all. So it's really between in, yeah. the choice of the mother and the life of the child. Well, you could say that someone who doesn't want to have a child, their life is at risk if they have a child. Because if you have a child that you don't want, it's likely going to take a toll on your mental health. If you have a child that you can't afford, it's likely going to take a toll on... I mean, I'm sure it would still take a toll on your mental health, even if you're just forced to have the child at all. But it's not necessarily that you would have to keep the child. You could keep it away for adoption. That's true. But adoption is... Not that that would be good for the child, yeah, but I mean... But adoption is like an alternative to parenthood, and it's not necessarily an alternative to pregnancy, because there's yeah. also, you know, long-term effects from pregnancy. Right. You can have complications that go on during pregnancy. I mean, like, your body is entirely changed after pregnancy. It's a big... Like, it would be traumatic to even give birth to a child that you didn't want, or go through a pregnancy that you didn't want. Yeah. I think it's wrong to force someone to do that if they don't want to. I mean, I, I agree <laughs> yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, that is something that I do want to work on is um, my arguing skills as far as abortion goes, because I get very emotional, especially when I argue with my family. And right. I want to, you know, present like a level headed, you know. Yeah. When it comes to the um, abortion and like the difference of amount of people, in, at least in America, between who are pro-life and who are pro-choice, do you expect the biggest change over time to come from people getting their minds changed or from generations dying? Generations dying, I think. Which sounds kind of morbid, but... Because if that's the case, if, if like we're just going to become a more pro-choice nation over time just because those ideas will just die out, then I guess you don't necessarily... I mean, you probably should know anyway, but you don't necessarily have to have a good argument. As bad as that sounds. But I, I just mean like... I still like to. Yeah, it, yeah, it would be good yeah. to. You should have one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, I just think a lot of very... Re- especially older religious people are not going to change their minds on right. abortion. Yeah, you don't have to like necessarily prepare your arguing skills if you're not really planning on changing individuals' minds about the subject. But I guess you should have a way to defend yourself when the pro-life people come knocking and ask you. <laughs> yeah, or, I actually or, was or come almost with torches, um, you know. kicked out for being pro-choice. Kicked out of what? My your, house. Oh, your house. Okay. Yeah. So I've learned to kind of keep my mouth shut around my family. Do you think that. is that like? Do you think that's a good thing overall? To, if you have some sort of conflicting opinion with people who are going to do something bad to you for it, do you think it's good of someone to not say it like keep it to themselves or do you think you should honestly air your ideas despite whatever bad things can happen to you because of it? i guess it depends on the consequences because as much as i am passionate about 
know, women's yeah. rights. I don't homeless. really think being homeless is a good trade-off for it. Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess it just depends on risk versus reward. I have had a lot of arguments with my parents about, like, Black Lives Matter and, like, systemic racism and uh, homophobia and that sort of thing that they're not as, like, inflammatory about. So it's just, like, maybe knowing, like, the limits of the consequences. Because I'll argue with them about that all day, but it's, like, pro-choice is such, or abortion is such, like, a hot topic that my parents yeah. are, or my family in general is not very liking of. <laughs> yeah. I don't know the right word for that, but, yeah. Yeah, a lot of my family members definitely are pro-life. And I, I wonder, they probably are single-issue voters, or at least come close to be. Don't know how many of them voted for Trump, or voted for Trump simply on the basis of Mike Pence's pro-life, yeah. and uh, Donald Trump at least pretends to be for the vote he's definitely not even though he was <laughs> i think in an interview he said he was pro-choice prior to running I oh yeah well yeah i mean he probably lied about everything he said um yeah well that's that's in ancient history by now i think yeah. nobody cares about donald yeah. trump anymore. <laughs> although you do, you'll see see the signs especially i was just driving to oshkosh in waukesha they're all over. oh in waukesha yeah. that's where, that's where my family lives yeah i was just driving to, like more rural areas there's still like like trump like keep america great or like make America great again. It's like it's, like it's April. <laughs> yeah, you should take that down. Probably you're only just attracting more and more like enemies, not enemies, but neighbors who are giving you weird looks. Although I guess in a place that's rural, everybody yeah. agrees with you. I'm sure. And that's another thing with the general generational shift over time is um, more than right and left. It seems like the actual disagreement is between rural and urban. Mm-hmm. That's why I think um, more people who are left-leaning or Democrats need to move to rural. Like, it would help a lot with, you know, quote-unquote, winning, you know, presidential elections because if... Just by being in yeah, well, cause rural districts? Well, I mean. well, right now, it's with the Electoral College, it's land votes, not necessarily people. So if there was more people who were left-leaning populating those areas, yeah. they would be more likely to be blue counties and states. However, I uh, don't know if that would work in the long run because it seems to me that the biggest factor on what people think about the world is where they live. Mm-hmm. So if you're a democratic family that moves into a rural area, perhaps you can hold out for the course of your lifetime and not give in to what your neighbors think and not become one, one with the flock. Mm-hmm. But uh, over generations, still yeah, living in that true, same area, yeah. you're going to blend in with them. You're going to become one of the your crowd. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Because it seems like... You move to the city, you become more liberal. Yeah. Move to yeah. the south, you become more conservative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's true. Especially um, a friend of mine recently was telling me that her parents had moved to North Carolina. And not her, her parents, her um, husband's parents, but whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just a person yeah. for the sake of the story. <laughs> and before they had moved there, they were very... Uh, they were still, like, skewing conservative, but, like, very reasonable. And, like, they didn't have very many, like political clashes between them Mm -hmm. and then since like five years or whatever that they've lived in north carolina like she perceives them as completely different people now like they've they've changed their views on a lot of things like quite drastically like Mm -hmm. to to fit in with the rest of the people they live with i don't know i think like yeah the the place probably Mm -hmm. matters more yeah so i think really um i mean moving would probably be a good uh thing for the short term but i think for the long term it's probably up to just the gravitational pull of cities and the fact that Cities seem to just get larger and larger over time. Yeah, yeah. It's at least making things more liberal, which I don't know overall how much of that is a good thing. Yeah, I'm not like as much of a fan of the two-party system. Right. But it seems like we've been taking a lot of 
you know, voting for Biden is like short term goals, but it's like, when are we going to, you know, push these long term goals of, you know, to taking down the two party system? Yeah. And, you know, like getting like ranked choice voting. They're doing that in Rhode Island, I believe. Yeah, I knew they were doing yeah. it in um, Oregon, Maine, and one of the Dakotas. Mm-hmm. At least like three of the presidential voting districts in, in like South Dakota were doing it or something. But now Rhode Island, too. Yeah, yeah. That's what I wrote my government essay on in English was ranked choice voting and how it's much more beneficial and just gives more of a accurate picture of what the people want. Yeah, it's still not perfect. It has problems. Yeah, yeah. There's a thing that happens with ranked choice voting called a center squeeze, Mm -hmm. where if you've got a continuum of like a political line and you've got somebody on the far left, somebody on the far right, somebody more in the middle, and you've got to rank your, your votes, you could end up through your rankings actually um, and through these like simulated elections that happen you could actually make the person that you don't want to win win oh really so it, it kind of incentivizes you to forget the person that's that's in the center mm-hmm. if, yeah so yeah. they're not like but it is more likely to um not just have the same sort of issues that's like first past the post kind of voting has did you have any more to say on the topic of uh, abortion at the moment not at the moment no but... okay you can always come back to it if you want but Speaking of long-term things and what we should be doing, and that pe- some people I know are kind of upset at Biden instead of voting for him because they don't perceive him doing enough in the world of like uh, climate change, mm-hmm. global warming. But I mean, I don't know. I think that's kind of a little bit, a little bit silly because you what like you're going to vote for somebody else. They weren't going to win, so you could have voted for honestly like Biden or Trump because the majority yeah, of people yeah, are going was... to. The sad, sad way of how the voting system works is you can't really. You're throwing, you're kind of throwing your vote yeah, away. Yeah, you, you don't vote, vote for, for Biden. You're basically voting for Trump. So it's like you got to choose incremental steps in the right direction over what you would want to be giant steps in the right direction because that's just not going to happen. You're going to get steps in the wrong direction if you go that path. Yeah. Try to go, vote Green Party. Green Party is going to get two percent of the vote. Mm-hmm. So people don't think Biden is like doing enough for like sustainable. Well, part of that also industries. Can- need to be putting more of the responsibility on Congress than yeah. the president. Right. People well. prop up the president as yeah. um, the only important office. And then they don't vote in any other election besides yeah. the presidential election. They yeah. don't vote in local, state. Right. So um, with the, like, that you had mentioned before we were doing this podcast, that you want to talk about fast fashion and the results it has on the environment. Yeah, it's kind of... Um, I wouldn't say hobby, but it's been a, a like an interest that I've been getting into. You know, started in high school. Um, I watched the documentary The True Cost and just about how fast fashion. You know, they're making these clothes very cheaply, and then there's also the um, human rights violations that go along with it too. But focusing on specifically the environment, they're making cheap clothes and they're putting out new clothes. You constantly. know, constantly. Yeah, you're constantly buying new clothes, and it's like I think it is. I don't know. But there's like a lot that go into landfills like every single year. It's just like textiles, textile waste is like one of the largest polluters now. So I've been kind of trying to promote kind of like slow, I wouldn't say slow fashion, but like secondhand and like thrifting and that sort of thing. Because, well, there's also the constant consumer culture that America has that goes on to it. Like the most sustainable things you have is the stuff you already own. Like You don't need to buy more things like you need to. I wouldn't say minimalist, but just making sure you're not buying more than you need. And it's just, yeah, something that's really, like, upsetting with our culture is we are not satisfied with enough, especially with clothes. And I've seen, like... Yeah. That's something I have trouble understanding. Yeah. 
<laughs> why <laughs> not people, in the fashion? Not really. Why people need to buy so so many clothes all the time. And like yeah. you wear something once and now it's like, no, I'm not going to wear it again for a year. Like, yeah. It's mostly you're a fan of either not buying new things or buying secondhand. Yeah. Um, and I also think thrifting is... Um, just more fun and you kind of get like there's like more there's like personal like quote unquote, selfish like benefits to it too or you're the only one who has these kind of clothes and yeah, it's like yeah. it's a new thing you know every time you go and i've been trying to think of ways to kind of promote it because there's only so much that social media can do as far as like promoting social issues but i think that another like frustrating thing is a lot of sustainable brands that you know don't you know underpay their workers and they're way more expensive so it's harder for yeah you know, poor people to afford these sustainable options. And then there's another um, aspect where it's like, okay, all these people who can't afford it are going thrifting. And then people say you're stealing the clothes from the poor people who need them. And it's kind of like, what is the consumer to do if you can't buy fast fashion and you can't thrift because you're taking away from poor people, but you can't afford these like very expensive sustainable brands. And most people often choose the convenience. They choose. Yeah. People, I think most people's choices, but anything are made by convenience over anything in instant gratification yeah of how fast the clothes are delivered yeah i've heard about that um before with the thrift stores and if a bunch of you know rich uh, people are or not rich but like comparatively rich people are yeah. buying from thrift stores it takes away from uh, poor people who that's a good source of clothing for them is that happening do you think in terms of just like thrift stores losing stock so there's like less physically there for poorer people to buy or is it the sense that like it's like gentrifying thrift stores and like the prices are going up because they recognize that their customers are more, more the latter for okay. sure because thrift stores have an endless right. supply of clothes yeah. they're, you would consta- think they're constantly getting donations but it's yeah more people people are concerned with because i've noticed even in the last two years like prices at thrift stores are going way up and it's because like it's become like an internet trend it's yeah. popularized by teenagers and they're recognizing that demand for it and it could be a problem because you know where are these you know lower income people who used to thrift out of necessity going to right. get their clothes because all these middle class teens are thrifting out of fashion needs and it's kind right. of like i need to remind myself too it's like it's still you need to temper yourself with consuming at thrift stores too because if you don't need it you shouldn't buy it even right. if it is second hand and yeah it's kind of like there's a lot of people who have been like doing like hauls. So they just go yeah. in and they buy everything and then they yeah. sell it on like Depop and resale stuff for like a huge profit margin. And they just buy these like five, $10 shirts and then they'll sell them for like 80 bucks because they have, you know, some sort of vintage like label on them and they're making this profit off of them. And it's kind of like gentrifying the thrift stores too. Yeah. There's a really good episode of uh, the Patriot Acts on Netflix about uh, fast fashion. Yeah, they talk about like H and M a lot because that's one of the one of the worst. Yeah, uh, companies H and M and Forever Twenty One. Yeah, Forever like... Twenty. Yeah, those are bad ones. But yeah, you should go watch that if you can. You would think that like if we didn't have like a capitalist system, which is just companies are only motivated by profit, mm-hmm. instead of filling these landfills up with just tons of clothing that they could just give them to people. Yeah, yeah. Um, is, is that like companies just don't donate clothes because now they won't make money off of the next batch of clothes? I mean, it's, yeah, and it's the same thing with food. I mean, they throw out, you know, large amounts of food at the end of the night when they close. I mean, yeah. I used to work at Dunkin' and we would just toss all the donuts in the trash. Yeah. And, and it's like, at least there, there's some sort of, like, tiny excuse you can make oh, about, like, gonna it's going to go bad. Yeah, yeah. But 
clothes aren't gonna go bad. But yeah, I always feel bad about throwing food away. And you you threw throw donuts away? That, that <laughs> seems wrong to me. Uh, unrelated note: Dunkin' Donuts. I think in was it Sweden maybe or is it Switzerland? Yeah, they have forty-one different kinds. Forty-one of vegan new donuts, flavors of vegan donuts. And they don't donuts. have a single one in the U.S. I don't even understand how a donut shop can have forty-one flavors of any donut, <laughs> not just vegan donuts, but like that seems like a and they got giant crazy amount of donuts. ones too. They have like peanut butter and jelly, like right. peanut sprinkled on top. Like they're not even doing basic ones; they're going crazy. Like how big is a Dunkin' Donuts that can fit forty-one vegan and then probably <laughs> you would think more non-vegan donuts? Yeah, yeah. Are they making them to order? That seems unlikely. Does the UK and Europe have a higher percentage of vegans? Because they always get the really I know. good. They get everything they first. They get the really good uh, food out. Like Germany is getting lots of stuff all the time. And like the Scandinavian countries, like they have the McVegan, like, <laughs> which is, a, I think that's the name of the sandwich, yeah. which is a bad name. but And they have like vegan mac and cheese at Starbucks and like. Mac and cheese at Starbucks. I know. That sounds like a lot, right. I've seen like a lot of pizza places that have like vegan cheese. Oh yeah, like Domino's yeah, in Australia yeah. has. And we don't have anything. Uh, Topper's has vegan cheese. I know. I, just, I have some in the fridge oh, right wow. now actually. <laughs> yeah, I get it all the time. Yeah. It's super expensive. But yeah, it's, it's kind of annoying. They must have higher percentages of vegan yeah. people. Or at least just flexitarians who care about buying. Yeah non-meat things which is good yeah okay so the fast fashion (laughs) derailing yeah is there like a good place to buy because there's certain things certain items of clothing you can't really thrift for like underwear yeah yeah so i have a couple brands that i do for things that are not thriftable like there's a like an activewear brand called girlfriend collective and they do all these different kinds of like leggings shorts workout gear and they make them from recycled water bottles and they're pretty nice quality, but the problem is they're eighty dollars a pair. So it's yeah. kind of a pair. Yeah, of leggings. Yeah. That's <laughs> so it's like it's the investment of like a good quality thing, and it's also you know you know it's an ethical brand, you know it's a sustainable yeah. brand. And then yeah, there's a couple like sustainable like underwear brands that are out there, and like swimwear brands, but they're pretty expensive. So I try to keep good care of those kinds of clothes because I don't yeah. have the kind of money, but I just don't also can't justify buying i mean i do buy things from you know target because i've worked there and they don't are they not they don't evil they're kind of in the middle between like fast fashion and like a sustainable brand because they definitely aren't they definitely put out new styles constantly so they're more of a fast fashion brand but they don't they pay their workers well they don't have a lot of any notable that i was found when i was researching like human rights violations they're like, not like nike sourcing yeah and like zafu with suicide nets yeah on the walls. and zafu like pays their workers like five cents an hour and like stuff like that and they outsource from india and like sweatshops and that sort of thing right. so those things obviously you can't be an ethical consumer of every single thing ever and just kind of pick the best option that you can if you can't afford right. you know these crazy expensive sustainable brands but I don't like people who say, oh, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Like, you know, why would I even try? Because there's always like a... There's always oh, you mean a, they use that as an excuse to just yeah, not, not yeah, or Yeah, and it's like there's always a more ethical option right. that you, you could be choosing, but yeah. you just don't want to. Right, like even if you can't be perfect, you can still try to reduce your part of the problem. And that's why I tell people about veganism too, and they're like, oh, I can't go vegan because I love cheese. It's yeah, like, so it's well, like stop eating meat on Mondays. Go, like, go vegan except for cheese then. Right, like, yeah. Why why can't you just because of that one thing? And it's it's always an excuse. It's never an effort. But they say that they care about the environment. They say that they care about right. all these issues. It's like people are like, oh, I can't be vegan because I'm allergic to all like all these nuts. It's like, 
Don't eat nuts. <laughs> don't eat nuts. And it's like, that doesn't mean you have to only eat meat. Like, you could eat lots of other things. That yeah. You could be as vegan as you can be. Mm-hmm. Or you could be as non-fast fashion supporting as you can be. Ethical consumer. Yeah. I try to just never buy clothes. If, if I can. <laughs> Obviously, I can't do that because <laughs> eventually they wear away. I wear yeah. my shoes until the soles detach from the shoe. Yeah, and I'm like, go. well, uh, I'm not good at sewing, so I guess I'll have to buy new shoes. That's why I do with phones, because um, they're not an ethical purchase whatsoever. Oh, no, but it's not. hard to participate in modern right. society without them. So I usually wait until the screen is cracked. Yeah, and the wait until your phone does not work, work anymore. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just bought a new phone, um, but I had it, my previous phone for I think six years. Wow. And yeah, it was unusable. Yeah. Um, it was freezing, <laughs> and it had no storage space left over, so I couldn't. I, it it down it offloaded all of my apps even the really basic ones like mail mm-hmm. um so i couldn't use my phone except for messaging text oh, yeah. and then when i would try to text it would freeze so you uh, needed a phone. So I, so I got a new phone and i felt <laughs> yeah. bad about it but i was like yeah. well uh i guess i consider it this way there are people who are buying every new phone like every year like oh yeah. the new iphone i'm gonna get the new iphone and there are people who uh, don't do that there are also people who are better than me and don't even own a phone yeah which i always feel guilty about not doing, because the phone's not good for me either the amount of time i spend on it yeah, uh, so it's, yeah it's bad for yeah, your mental health yeah yeah it's bad for the environment it's bad it's probably bad for um human rights yeah i mean if there was a flip phone that had spotify on it <laughs> i could get that yeah so yeah we can't be perfect in everything we uh, yeah. consume these um pants that i'm wearing these jeans i like didn't want i didn't know where to buy ethical ethically sourced pants so i asked adrian my girlfriend for my birthday this year, this past year, to just buy me some really expensive, Dur- yeah, nice, uh, like sustain, like jeans from a ethic ethical company, and I think the company was Everlane. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like eighty dollars yeah, jeans, yeah. which I would or, never I buy myself. I bought anything off of there because it's so expensive. But, but yeah, I mean, honestly, for jeans, maybe eighty dollars is the most expensive in the world. Yeah, that's more expensive than yeah. I would want. But. Sounds like comparable to like American Eagle and like those kinds of fast fashion places, anyways. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, I'll, like, I own, like, one pair of jeans at a time, and I wear them until I get holes, like, in weird places. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to buy a new one. But yeah, as far as um, supporting Target goes, I guess, like, when I have to buy underwear, then, like, I go there, because yeah. I don't know if I can I can pull off. Pay, like, $80 yeah. a pair of underwear. Right. <laughs> I, I can't, like, get 16 uh, pairs of underwear for $20. Yeah. I, I have to pay 200 yeah. for that. That's just uh Well and Target pays their workers good. I used to work I there. actually worked at Target yeah. for oh, a month. Really? I worked I've been working there for almost a year now. Yeah. Just only during the summers? Uh summers and winter break. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I uh yeah, I worked there for a month and I didn't like it. Hated it. I was going through a bad time in my life as well. Oh. So I was like, I I just need to get out of this place. Yeah. Do you cashier or No, I was actually it was actually looking back, it's like it seemed like a pretty decent job. I was in the like stock room, the back room. Oh yeah, that's and I was just I do, yeah. I was just stocking stuff, listening to music and like podcast. Yeah, that's um, fun. But there was something about biking to work at like six in the morning, and then like working there all day, and just the oppressive red of the whole place. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Why is it so red? I don't like it. It's, it's just, and I don't know that like the work environment. There's like there's like one guy that I, like was cool and out of conversations with, but then everybody else is like, it's I don't know if I of, like you. There's a lot of old old ladies who are very mean who work at my target yeah so <laughs> and one part of the stockroom job that i really did not like was when we got in shipments every morning uh or whatever 
of all the cold stuff. So you'd have to spend like, and like nobody ever wanted to spend time in the freezer. So it was like never organized. So it was like when you have to put stuff away, it would take extra time to do it because it was not organized. Yeah. So you're spending like an hour in the freezer with this giant coat on, the hat and the, the mittens that they have. And it's like, I just wanted to like kill myself. Yeah. No, so. so I quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about quitting Target this summer because um, my friend told me about a job at the cheese factory that pays $16.80. Is the cheese factory the place that's actually a sandwich shop? Or is that actually a factory that makes cheese? I'm, I think there might be a sandwich shop attached to the factory. So but there's I'm, cheese? It, it is cheese? It's not a misnomer? I have no clue. I might be thinking <laughs> Okay, so. But it pays sixteen eighty, um, and then ha- time and a half on weekends, but I don't know if the vegan working at the cheese factory. Yeah, I was going to ask. Was gonna, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I might just stick with Target. Yeah, that's uh, the main reason I work at the job I currently work at is because it mostly aligns with my ethics, working at a vegan restaurant. I enjoy it. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's okay. So, with the fast fashion or the companies that are like sustainably sourced clothing companies, is there any sort of thing you know about? Any sort of like third party investigation of how you can actually be sure these are ethical companies? I actually do follow uh, a woman on YouTube who uh, that's her job is to, or she works for a environmental blog and she actually like investigates these. Um, companies and a lot of times they will not really they'll have a lot of it's like greenwashing basically they'll have a lot of you know buzzwords or it's like oh net zero emissions oh like sustainably sourced but they don't really clarify so it's also you know tricky as a consumer to even know if you're even consuming sustainable products at all yeah and it's just it might all just be lies that they're telling. Like, yeah. This is a healthy food product when they're yeah. just putting the word healthy on it. Like, mm-hmm. well, there's not actually a definition of healthy according to the FDA. So we can just claim that it's healthy and mm-hmm. we can get away with it. Even yeah. though it's totally not. Yeah. You can yeah. just be lied to by every single company you support. And that's why a lot of, I've noticed a lot of like those brands of like dish soap and like laundry soap that are like packaged to look like they're like super eco-friendly right, they have a duck and on they're it. like yeah and it's like they're still made of plastic like, like yeah i don't know it's there's a lot of greenwash and i think it's a very niche market because these companies know that consumers who care about the environment are going to pay extra right to feel good about it so and you could just claim that this thing is sustainably sourced and then charge twice as much for mm-hmm. it and if it's not sustainably sourced it doesn't really matter because no one's going to find out and now you're just making twice as much money as you otherwise would have yeah Great, I mean, great business plan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, props to you for your evil, evil entrepreneurial exploiting instincts. Exploiting people who care about the environment. Yeah, because yeah. I was watching um, the latest, not latest, but new Netflix documentary, Sea Spiracy. Oh. Have you watched yeah, that? I've not. I watched Cowspiracy. Right. It's made by the, well, mm-hmm. produced by the same person that produced that one. Anyway, in that they do a little bit of investigating things and like the dolphin safe label that you see on some seafood mm-hmm. is supposed to give you the message that... There were no dolphins killed or harmed in the catching of these fish. There was, like, yeah. no dolphin bycatch. And then he goes to, the, like, the Dolphin Safe headquarters and, like, asks them about, like, how can they be sure that it is dolphin safe when, like, dolphins get are bycaught a lot, like, statistically. So, like, how can they know that the ones that the companies that they put the label on, those companies aren't killing dolphins? Mm-hmm. And then the guy's like, um you know, we really can't, we can't be sure because we don't really have anybody that are on the fishing boats that are actually making sure that they're not catching any dolphins or killing them. So we just kind of take their word for it. And like the ca- it's up to the captains really in the captain's log. And they could be lying, I guess, but we just trust that they're not. 
so then the interviewer guy is like, so there's no guarantee that the, these things are dolphin safe. And at that moment, the guy, the dolphin safe, like CEO or whatever, realizes that like, oh, that's not a good look for him. So he's like, oh, no, no, the, we can't. We can totally guarantee that they're dolphin safe. <laughs> but it's like, but you just said you just, like yeah. a minute ago that you can't. So what is it? So it's just these companies, these fishing companies are paying to get the dolphin safe label because it looks good for the consumers mm-hmm. who care about dolphins. I mean, that's the same thing with free range. Yeah, free range like, eggs. mainly raise. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a label that they put on that these companies pay extra for because they know the consumers, it looks good, they care, the consumers care enough to prefer to buy free-range eggs, but they don't care enough to really care if it is free-range after all. Yeah. It's just a bunch of companies passing money along to each other and the consumer is kind of getting screwed. Or at least unknowingly participating in awful things that they would like, they they would prefer not to, but... And with the food thing, it's like there's an easy solution is just don't eat fish and then you won't buy catch any dolphins. But with the clothing thing, you kind of have to buy clothes. So it's just really disappointing to see these companies like taking advantage of people who care about it. How impractical is it to perhaps make your own clothing or buy clothing from like people you know that made it? Is that just something that not enough people are doing so it's not really possible? I feel like it could be on a small scale, like doing clothing swaps with your friends instead of buying new clothes or like with your neighbors yeah. and well, like I mean, rummage the... sales. Yeah. Like I guess if it were like, yeah, rummage sales could work, but I guess if we're like clothing swaps that that would solve it for the purposes of like having new styles and looking yeah. fashionable, but it wouldn't solve it from the purpose of like your clothes literally deteriorating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you can't really. <laughs> it's not like you can. Your friend's gonna give you your, their holy <laughs> underwear and say, "Hey, enjoy these. Yeah, yeah. Give me your new ones." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It, you would need someone like actually creating yeah. the clothing mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah, well, that's what like before the industrial revolution, right? And people used to. Yeah, that's the annoying thing about the industrial revolution is like it upped everyone's standard of living so much, but it also just fucked the world up like yeah. so hard. And then. This is a little bit unrelated to what we were planning on talking about, but I, I find okay. it interesting. <laughs> um, and then right now, we've got all these like developed countries who are starting to realize all the bad effects of the Industrial Revolution over the past 200 years. So we're like, oh shit, we got to like be carbon neutral and stop polluting and stop mining coal and stop fracking. We got to like make electric cars and look out for the environment and make sure that we're going to revert global warming. But then there's all these developing countries who are like uh but what about like our people in our economies yeah. like sh- we kind of need to like boom like you guys did so we're expecting them to not have the same industrial revolutions that we had mm-hmm. but if they do have those industrial revolutions especially with the population sizes they have they will fuck up the world even yeah. harder like if if you allow african countries to have the same sort of industrial revolution that america or the uk had that's like global warming nightmare yeah so then somehow you have to convince rich countries to pour their money into poor countries so that they can kind of like jump frog or leapfrog and like just go straight to sustainable mm-hmm. practices and skip all the, the coal burning and just like go right to nuclear energy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's something kind of impossible to convince yeah, countries yeah, to do. Yeah. That's interesting. It's like, it's what we're learning about in climate science right now. It's in my, uh, one of my environmental science classes. We just did um, like uh like a simulation or like we all played a character from like the Copenhagen climate conference. And that was like, part of it was like these, you know, countries asking people for money. They're like, if yeah. you're going to put these carbon limits on us, like we need funding to be able to do that because right. we can't manage it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't limit the countries and say like, you're not allowed to pollute and then expect them to somehow come up with the, the technologies without having any money. And so either you're dooming them to just continue being poor, which obviously is not ethical. Yeah. Or you're, gonna force them to just pollute a shit ton 
which isn't ethical either. Yeah. So the only ethical thing to do is give away all your money. <laughs> which no which one, no wants, one wants, to wants to do. Which no one wants to do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So with fast fashion and its destruction on the environment, is that mostly from, like, a pollution of, like, clothing just in, like, textile waste filling up landfills in the oceans and mm-hmm. stuff? Or is there a lot of... Because I would imagine there's a lot of, like, transportation. There's, yeah, a lot of CO2 emissions, too. Right. From like, in, in the factories mm-hmm. and, like, having to transport these things around. And, like, shipping. Like, oh, right. Yeah, people, you know, ordering, full of yeah, ordering sweatshirts. online and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's, like, it's kind of a double whammy with the waste and the CO2 emissions. Right. It's, it's why it's... um. I'm not sure. I think it's up there in like the top five like polluting industries, along with agriculture and right. transportation industries. Yeah, and uh, like energy industries. Mm-hmm. Like if you pay your energy bills too. They're they're always the worst as well. Do you know where these landfills are? Are they like giant ones, I'm, like the Pacific uh, Plastic Patch in in the Pacific Ocean? I That's know just that we have been passing. sending a lot of our waste to like other countries, yeah, especially like textile waste. Yeah, yeah. Which, that's what they said in the, the True Cost, actually, they were talking about how we send a lot of our uh, waste, especially textile waste, to India, and they've been sending it back, and do not know. What, that's just like yeah. a double whammy. Like, yeah. they don't want it, and now they're going to just ship it back, which is going to take another ship. Yeah. Burning and it's carbon. like, we are running out of places to go with all this waste, and it goes for every industry, too. We're running right. out of places to put our garbage. Yeah, turning the world into uh, where Wally lived in that movie. Disney Pixar movie where everything is just like skyscrapers of garbage. Yeah, because so, I was thinking, like, honestly, from like a con- consuming standpoint, what's even more ethical, maybe not in the long run, because it's not actually, um, it's not actually convincing companies to change their ways because you're not really, you're not an input, you're not influencing these companies anyway. But if you were like freegan, where you dumpster dive for all your food, so you don't actually pay for any food, yeah, you just eat, or you go to the, you go to the grocery store dumpster. And you take all of their eggs and all of their bread that they threw away that day and just eat that. And now you're not even like a participant in the system of food. I mean, that's like, I guess, a good thing because you're not causing any more harm to the environment or to animals than you otherwise would be because you're just like taking waste. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, you're not actually casting any votes that's noticeable to these companies. You're you're not not spending your money on some alternative demand for like vegan products yeah so you're not actually through those actions you're not actually changing the world at all Mm -hmm. like even if it's in the tiniest way that an individual like spending a dollar to buy a vegan donut at dunkin donuts instead of a non-vegan donut like that sends a signal to dunkin donuts oh Mm -hmm. we should make more of these and less of the other one because more people there are some people who are say you're not real vegan if you buy from uh companies that aren't vegan like support oh, yeah. food companies and i right. just i disagree with that you i also need, disagree yeah, that, yeah you need to promote that demand and show that there is demand for that yeah. you need to go to burger king and buy the impossible the only Whopper. thing that they care about is money right yeah but one of the really depressing things that i was thinking about the other day as i was just listening to a podcast on this is that tyson is one of the biggest investors into uh, lab-grown meats and plant-based oh, really? meats because I mean, it, it honestly, in a way, it's a good thing because mm-hmm. if it, if they weren't doing that, th- there's a world where Tyson could perceive lab-grown meat and plant-based meats to be competition, and then they would spend all of their money to stop it, mm-hmm. its development, and then make sure it never happens. Yeah. So they'd be like lobbying against it, and that would just be really bad. So then, in this this way, it's good because now they are helping it come about. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of really depressing because then what it means is that sometime in the future, when lab-grown meat is the norm. It'll be Tyson that's the main company producing it. 
So yeah. they just went from like one of the worst companies in the world. And then now it's like technically now they're good because yeah. they're producing all the lab grown meat and not, not creating all the same pollution, and all the same animal suffering. Mm-hmm. But like, what about the past hundred years of them yeah. doing all this yeah. evil? Like that's just forgotten. In my ideal world, it would be some new company who doesn't have a history of doing awful things that is producing beyond yeah like beyond meat themselves Mm -hmm. doing it rather than Tyson being in charge. What do you think about lab grown meat? I'm in favor of it. I'm I mean I don't dislike meat. Mm -hmm. I like meat a lot. Yeah, I just don't eat it because it's I don't think it's ethical to. So when lab grown meat comes about, I think I'll probably be a meat eater again. Yeah, I just you know won't eat meat from Mm -hmm. dead animals. Cause I like like vegan versions, like vegan chicken, like the Beyond Burgers. Like I do yeah. like the taste of meat. Yeah, I just don't know how I feel about like lab grown actual meat. meat. Yeah, I might, cause it's like I'm so used to eating the way that I do now. I don't think I don't know if I would feel as much of a desire to eat. Yeah, actual I guess meat. Yeah. Once. I might not eat it all like all that often because it's still like for all the ways that red meat is unhealthy for you, it's still gonna have yeah, those same things. Yeah. Well, not not all of them because there's not gonna be pumped up with antibiotics. Yeah. But it's still gonna have the same carcinogen effects mm-hmm. and whatnot yeah. that's so that, not good for your body yeah. yeah but i think it's definitely just a total win for the world because like i was saying before most people are influenced by convenience mm-hmm. rather than by ethics or whatever else so once we get to the place where lab-grown meats taste the same and cost the same as mm-hmm. regular meat why would anyone yeah. buy regular meat anymore mm-hmm. Unless you're some traditionalist who, I don't know, really cares about the ancient ways of <laughs> how we just murder animals. Why not just eat, eat lab grown meat? Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel about, like, the Beyond Meat um, or, like, yeah, or options. Plant-based yeah, meat. those yeah. options. is like they taste relatively similar. And um, yeah. There are times where I go order, like, a Beyond Meat burger from a restaurant. I'm like, ah, yeah, I did get they scared. fuck up my order and <laughs> give me real meat? Because I don't even remember exactly what it yeah. feels it like anymore. So long. Yeah. yeah. But... In another way, like like the Tyson thing, it's just really sad because I feel like in 20, 30, whatever, however many years it takes for lab-grown meat to really become a legitimate, cheaper alternative, the world is going to be mostly vegan or at least mostly vegetarian, especially if lab-grown meat comes along with like lab-grown milk and egg and cheese yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Just all the, all the animal-based things are no longer going to require animal suffering. Mm-hmm. Then the world will mostly be like a vegan world, but it won't be through any actual individual choices having to do with morality. It won't be through people changing their minds about anything and realizing that they were doing bad things. Yeah. It'll be just because of convenience and because of cost. So it makes me think like in, in a total like global way, do people actually become better people or do they, does the world just like a small amount of people like the minority change things to make it harder for you to be a bad person? Yeah. And then the rest of the world just stays the same and is ignorant of everything. And the world improves, but not through people's choices. Are you asking which is better? No, or, I'm saying oh, I'm yeah, saying yeah, it's just it's a depressing just, thing yeah, that that's yeah. how it happens. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I'd like to see people be... Con- yeah, but it's like, which is going to happen first? People, the majority of people accepting veganism as a moral truth or lab-grown meat becoming... I yeah. 100% think, think it's... It's going to be the latter yeah, first? Yes. Which, I don't know. I mean, it's it's overall a good thing. Yeah. I should be yeah. celebrating that. But it's also depressing that people don't give a shit about yeah. anything. Yeah. Or much of anything. They give a shit about very few topics. Mm-hmm. The amount of people I've told about veganism and then they say, I don't, like, I still like meat, though. And I'm like, yeah. but I just told you about 
how it's so terrible. Like I tell you about the ethical impacts, the environmental impacts, the impacts on your health, and you still don't care. Like some people really just don't care. Yeah, and you can't really argue against yeah, someone I mean, who's saying I don't point, give a shit. Yeah. So, oh yeah, I'm Beyond Meat shareholder. Oh. Um, technically, because <laughs> I've got like 13 shares or whatever in it, and there was just a vote yesterday for like the direction of the company or so. There was these um, three people up for becoming directors of Beyond mm-hmm. Meat. And I was like, who are these people? So I looked them up. One of them was a former uh, executive from Tyson. Mm-hmm. One of them is a former executive from uh, Yum Foods. Yum Foods China, to be exact. And then one of them was a um, one of the financial officers, or maybe even CFO of Twitter. And I was like, I hate all these people. Yeah. So I, I, decl- I, I voted no against <laughs> these position appointments, which probably is just like a, a drop in the... Yeah, yeah. The bucket that doesn't but, matter. But yeah, so it's like Beyond Meats is probably going to have these these people from these other companies who aren't doing good things be, like become part of it. Mm-hmm. So it's like even if the the company itself is an improvement on the world, it's being run by people who don't actually care. Yeah. It's being run by people who are just motivated for the money. Yeah. yeah, motivated by the profit that they'll make because it's a new up and coming industry. Yeah. And that That's depresses me. Yeah, but it's like you still you still want to support that because yeah. of the values that you have. Right. Yeah. And yeah, if you, if you were to be, if you call, like, if you say you're not a vegan unless you only support, like, fully vegan It's just not possible. Companies. Yeah. yeah I mean, is your grocery store fully vegan? No. Are yeah. you going to stop buying from your groceries from Walmart or Trader Joe's just because they don't, they're not an all vegan grocery store? Yeah. It's already, like, I don't, I don't think it's that hard to be vegan, but it's already, like, a lifestyle change, like, to the point. I do not think it would be possible to only support vegan companies. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess technically it would be, but you'd probably have a really, like, limited diet, just egg and, like, select products. Yeah, yeah. Or you'd have to buy a lot of things online as well. yeah. And then in that way, also with fast fashion, I was thinking about this too, is it better to, say, buy from Target that's right next to your house where the clothing, yeah, came from China and it's already there. You're not, it it came with a whole bundle of other things on, on a big truck. It's one piece of many going on this truck so like the environmental impact from the co2 and like the uh, exhaust burning mm-hmm. of that one piece of sh- that one like shirt is very small because it was it came with a whole shit load of stuff mm-hmm. versus you buying online like individual items that have to get shipped di- directly to your house yeah. through your demand of doing that like, i just wonder which ends up being more of a cost on the, the environment yeah yeah i'd like to look into that actually because Right. Yeah, I just realized, like, buying, like, that one pair of leggings, that sustainable brand, that's one pair of leggings that has to be shipped all the way to me. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, with uh, veganism, for instance, is it is it better to focus on buying local or is it better to focus, for the, for the environment anyway, is mm-hmm. it better to focus on buying local or better to focus on buying vegan? If there's a, has to be a choice made between yeah. these two things. For instance, I think like. you could do both. Well, yeah, you could, you, you could certainly do both. But just, like, certainly if uh, you're buying if you're going online shopping for specialty vegan foods that have to be shipped to you it'd mm-hmm. probably be better for the environmental impact to not do that yeah and just go to your local farmer's market instead yeah. and, and like go without those specialty things mm-hmm. that you need to get shipped to you i mean it's nice that um last time i was at walmart i saw that they have like a bunch of different like the vegan meats and stuff and like yeah. it's like becoming way more popularized to the point where it is like really easy to be vegan and it's really easy to be like a quote-unquote like junk food vegan like there's so many different like even in the last five years that i've been vegan like the amount of products and options it's really it's like booming since like 2015 it has changed a lot 
Yeah, there was only like one type of vegan cheese that like I could get yeah. back then, way back then. But <laughs> I'm still upset because at my uh, local grocery store, they like I keep on seeing that there's a the pick and save uh, has like these vegan uh, chocolate chip cookie dough that like exists in certain stores, mm-hmm. but not anyone I've ever been in. So of course, yeah. it's just bad knowing that these things exist, but they don't exist near you. Mm-hmm. which that's how i feel about the vegan donuts <laughs> yeah it, it makes me understand a little bit what people mean when they say they live in a food desert yeah but i still don't understand completely because even if you live in a so-called food desert do you like there's still these giant companies like a walmart that mm-hmm. is next to you yeah and walmart has things that aren't animal products yeah like no matter where you live they, they have these things even gas stations have cans of beans and rice. Yeah, not that it's everyone wants trip, to just only eat beans and yeah, rice, but. but I don't know. Like, I, I, to a certain extent, I get the food desert argument, but I also think it's a bit of an excuse. No, same. And I've been a little scared to, like, say that in debates with people because then yeah. I'm instantly classist. But, like, I've right. lived, like, a very frugal lifestyle and still been able to eat vegan. And it's like, there's Walmarts. There's a Walmart everywhere. There's a Walmart in every single town. Right. They're like, they're widespread. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess if you live in a really rural area, your local fast food chains probably aren't going to have the vegan stuff. However, Burger King, every single Burger King location has the Impossible Whopper. Taco Bell, you get a cheesy bean and rice burrito without cheese and you add extra beans and it's like a dollar. Yeah. And it's like really good. So yeah, I think like, it's the thing, like if you put in enough effort, there's always a way, but mm-hmm. I guess there's a certain, there's like a certain amount of. It's like an activation energy that if it's too high, you just don't do it at yeah, all. Yeah, most people. Yeah. So that's the thing. It has to be made easy enough mm-hmm. with like if it's the world going vegan or if it's fast fashion. It ha- Like the ethical alternative has to be the easier thing to do or yeah. else people aren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. At least on people a large scale, people aren't going to do it. over everything. Yeah. And that's something I think about like every day. So yeah, I think that's uh, we've been talking for a while. So that's probably a good enough spot to leave yeah. it. Yeah talked about an eclectic bunch of things but that's fine I, I, that's a lot of my podcasts like two or three topics that we yeah talk about. yeah so do you have any parting words on any of these topics not really but i appreciate like the opportunity to come on the podcast yeah it's really nice yeah it's always fun I like, I like talking about this kind of stuff don't get a lot of opportunities to do it so yeah. do you have any book recommendations that maybe one that you just read or a favorite book of yours that you think the audience should read? Um, my favorite book is actually Herland, and it um, I found it at a thrift store in um, the Apostle Islands, and it's about it's a fantasy book about this group of explorers that stumble upon this um, all female society, and it's just um, it's a fantasy book, so it's like they there's some fantastical elements to it as well, but it's just like kind of like a societal commentary on if the patriarchy never existed and how um, society would be run, run from a matriarchy aspect or, like, a feminine uh, way of life. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting, and it's still very, um, like, relatable topics to nowadays, even though it was written in, like, the 50s or the 60s. Oh. It's really good. It has an anonymous author, though, so... <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, I hope that's findable. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that you can find it on, um, like, Amazon and stuff like that. Like, they've made reprintings of it, so... Cool. It's a good book. I liked it. So Check that book out. It's pretty short, too. It's an easy read. Nice. All right. Well, thank you for thank you. talking to me.